We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to US News and World Report, we're the 25th top paying career. Make an impact as a fact seeker and a truth teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you. I want to give a shout out to our sponsors of the week. It is Illegal Image Clothing. You could check them out on Instagram, Illegal Image Clothing. And then we got our brother and, and the one that's putting it down, punching back in L.A. County and all over Southern California. His name is Attorney Rosenberg. You guys could check him out at Attorney Rosenberg. And then if you guys want to get some training, some fitness, some nutrition, get your mind right, get your body right, get right for summer, tap in with my boy JB Fitness. That's JB underscore fitness on Instagram. And we also got the homies at Rap Kings. That's right, Rap Kings underscore LV. If you guys want to get your walls, businesses wrapped, uh, vehicles, they do it all. So make sure you guys let them know that Mr. Criminal sent you. And last but not least, we got Trade Craft Farms. That's right, the homie Daniel Rodriguez of the USC pulled up this week and uh, tapped in with a bag of that Trade Craft. And we've been in touch. So I want to give a shout out to all our sponsors. Make sure you guys give them a follow. Make sure you guys show some love and support. This is Goldie. This is Mr. Criminal's. Your yeah. We back, baby. Episode five, and we still rolling up. Critical in the building with me was cracking. What up, my boy? It's another episode. That's right. It's been a blessed few weeks, and we ain't here making history for the culture. Crime Family, the most livest and most active podcast on the West Coast. And we do it for the culture. Hey, today we got something special, Critical. What we got, bro? We got something real special for the culture. Yes, sir. When we did this and we sat down creating this podcast, we said we're going to highlight different people in the community. Yes, you did. We've done some musicians. Yes, we did. We've done some producers. Yes, we have. We've done some MMA martial artists. Ooh. But today we got an actor in the building. Let's go. And I'd like to introduce my personal homeboy and crime family member, No LG to the motherfucking building. What's cracking, homie? Hi, what up, what up? How you doing, dog? You already chilling, know. Chilling. We ain't here. How you doing today? You already know. Yeah, you hear the crowd going crazy for you? You got you got that level all, around all the world. Five of them, all five of them making noise. Right? Yeah, we in here live, Crime Family Entertainment. Before we get to that, we're gonna go over some news, some topics. We're gonna ask Noel G some uh, of some some of his advice and input on that. Critical. Yeah, what's up, Crime? We made it another week, big dog. Yes, we have. We've been making noise in history. I got like every single artist from the West Coast tapped in in my DM right now. Producers, you been showing me. it's crazy, crazy, bro. We got some crazy shit going on. It's crazy when we uh, put out positivity, how it tracks back to you. Yeah, talking about that. Let's talk about BTB Savage, bro. Damn, you know about that, huh? Yeah, you know it's fucked up. We were doing our episode the other night, highlighting positivity, like I said, and uh, we were talking about how we need to hold some of these podcasters accountable. Yeah, how they're playing with people's lives out here, and how. Uh, we're talking about my opinion on the the whole situation that happened to Draco and what happened with that whole getting beefed up on podcasts. Yeah. And now we had something else happen. Vlad TV had a, a interview with an artist named BTB Savage from San Antonio, Texas, and he was telling a story 
And unfortunately, people like to highlight negativity instead of positivity. Yeah, they do. And uh, homie got killed less than three days after it aired. He took a picture in his enemy's blood and was flexing on that. And I think that's a sad thing, bro. This is the type of a responsibility that we have as influencers over our culture. And I'm trying to say to our people, like, well, it's time to wake up. It's time to be a little smarter than that. What's your opinion on that, Critical? Come on. Let me know what you think. Yeah, man. I don't like spreading negativity, bro. Yeah, it's, it's a That's why I love thing. this podcast. Yeah, this podcast is becoming a beautiful, positive platform, big dog. Yeah, man. We're squashing beefs. Yes, we are. We're uh, motivating people. Bringing people together. We have Brandon. Uh, I'm sorry. Brandon's next week. We got. We have my homie, Brian Ortega, T-City. Speak about his testimony. Yeah, about man, God. That was deep, bro. That was powerful. That gave me that chills. That was amazing. That gave me chills, homie. When, when God gets together and puts people together, amazing things happen. And uh, yeah, we got Noel G up in the building, homie. What's cracking? How you feeling today, homie? Nah, I'm good. I'm good, man. <clears throat> I like what you guys are saying right there. That's that's awesome. I think that's off the hook. It's a beautiful thing, right? Hell yeah, all you know, day. I think it's a, a important to highlight off top why we even me and me and the homie we've been knowing each other for years. Obviously, uh, I've been a fan of the work, and uh, I hit you up to be on my video, and with no hesitation, you pulled up. Shout out to the homie Steve Viegas, connected yeah, us. Yeah, that's the homie right there. And I actually met you on the set of Bright. Uh, we were we were filming, and I was in the middle of doing some stuff with David Ayer, and it was Steven Viegas again. You were chopping it up with him, and I think someone else on the side, and they were like, hey, uh, Noel G wants to say what's up. I pulled up, shook your hand, said what's cracking, and you congratulated me for getting in the movie. And uh, yeah, it was a that was a big moment for me in my life, homie. <laughs> That's what's up, yeah. man. No, it's love, man. I show love all the time, bro. You yeah. know what I mean? We got to nowadays. Hell yeah. A lot of the stupidity out there and stuff and the hating on each other, that all got to stop. So I just try to show love all the time to anybody and everybody. You know what I mean? Anybody doing it right, I think that's awesome and off the hook. So. Yeah, and you you had a smile. You embraced everybody right there, and it was it was a dope thing because usually hear that like Hollywood people, people in movies are hella cocky, and I didn't get that from you. And you were one of the, the dopest uh, first interactions I had with somebody in movies, homie, and I want to salute you for that because you represented right, and you, you never let it get to your head. You know what I'm saying? Oh, uh, thank you, man. That means a lot, bro. Thank you, G. I appreciate that. Yeah, speaking of that, so... uh. Let's go back. Let's take them all the way to the beginning. I like to, to highlight people's journeys. I like to highlight people's stories. And I want to know where the birth of Noel G happened. Where did you become who you are today? When did it all happen? Tell, let's tell a little bit of your story. Yeah, let me uh, piggyback, though, on something you said real quick. Just yeah. to give you, like, a real quick lesson. You know, it was funny. Like, I think you just got to be cool with everybody, whether they're the ones washing the windows, the PA, or the director of the film. Or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you, you got to treat everybody the same, right? Hell yeah. And uh, I learned this a long time ago. I was on a TV show. It was called uh, Robbery Homicide Division. And I remember I was chilling with the wardrobe lady. Uh -huh. And I wasn't making no advancements, no nothing. I was just being my cool, funny self, just doing the job right. Like, everything was cool, right? Yeah. And two weeks in... She goes, uh, hey, you know, I'm going to hook you up with my dad to give you a bigger part in the show. I said, what? I said, who's your dad? And she's like, the executive producer of the show. Wow. I said, what? And so, you know, I'm just saying it was a moment in my life like you never know who's who. Yeah. And that's why you got to treat everybody with respect regardless. I was already doing that before. But I'm just saying, by doing that also, you never know how far that could advance you in something. You know what I mean? Yeah. And when people like you, they just want to do favors for you. That's dope. So, man, that's what, that was one time where I'm just saying it was, it was an eye-opener movement mm -hmm. of, uh, you know, like, oh, dang. Like, and what I liked about it, too, was her dad was one of those dads where it's like, I'm not just going to give it to you because you're my daughter. I'm going to make you work for it because wow. her real dream was to be a director. But the dad was like, it's going to be easier for you because you're my daughter, mm -hmm. but you're still going to learn. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. 
So long story short, he was like, you're going to start here and you're going to work your way up and you're going to earn it. And so anyways, that's where I learned that. And I just thought that was heck of cool. So I just wanted to piggyback on, you know, that's why I don't care who's who or what's what. I show everybody love. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, for sure. hundred percent. So hell yeah, that's that's really important because a lot of people, uh, when they make a little bit of noise in the world, they tend to, to forget who they who they met on the way up. <laughs> don't and don't they, get me started on yeah, that one. Yeah, and on the way back down, that shit happens to those type of people, and then right. you see them. And I've, I've been in the industry a lot where you see people get a little big, big head because their song's on the radio or some weird shit. And you see motherfuckers coming back down like, hey, I remember you, motherfucker. And then they never have the same type of love or support from right, the community. Right, right. And they're like, hey, you weren't who you were when I first met you. Straight up. You know what I mean? You straight up became someone else brand new. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so oh, I've seen that a lot, and that sucks. It's unfortunate. People lose themselves in the business, you know. They and and I think too, at a, at a certain point also, it just brings out the real colors and who they really were from the beginning. Yeah, you know, and that's why I think it's funny when a lot of like the people you want to stay away from is when you've been doing this business for a long time and you go, hey, what do you want to get in the business for? And some of them give you funny answers like, well, I just want to be famous. That's the one person I stay away from the most. That's the worst. You know what I mean? That's like, you already know that person will cutthroat someone to get to the top, their own mom, whatever. Yeah. So <clears throat> I get what you're saying 100%, you know? Yeah. When you've been doing the business for a long time, whether it's, you know, rapping, producing, acting, whatever it is, you know what a real answer is as opposed to, you know, a fake one. Straight up. Just like the homie the other day. Yeah, that music show. came in at the right time. Right time, right? Hey, that's critical. Right, the hey, critical. came in at the right moment. The, the motherfucking flatliner <laughs> critical. Like, he got that <laughs> shit on lock. But yeah, so would you say that's the moment that, that Noel G was actually had the birth of the hunger was when, when she introduced you to her, her father? Or was oh, no, no, no. That was just a story about, you know, about you never know what could happen to you just by being kind and got generous it. to people. You know what I'm saying? Hell yeah. Um, what started the business for me was it was kind of funny because uh, you know a lot of people know the story so I'm going to try to zoom through it but I never cared to be an actor I, I never once cared to be I, I never thought about it nothing I was 15 years old with my know-it-all attitude uh, you know I, I never thought I could even be on TV someone being from the streets whatever whatever so what happened was I was dating this girl and she wanted to be an actress mm. she asked me to go to an acting class with her one day and I was like, yeah. And I was living with her at the time. And I thought that if I didn't do whatever it is she said, that I'd get kicked out of the house. And because I was homeless previous to that, I was so happy to have a roof over my head. I just did whatever it is she pretty much said. Mm. So fast forward, I go to this acting class with her. Never thought about acting a day in my life. Never crossed my mind, nothing. Never thought about acting a day in my life. It was funny because I'm just keeping it 100. When I was in the acting class, I thought everybody was like dorks and nerds. Hell yeah. I was like, you know, I just, I started clowning. Right place, right time. Never thought about acting a day in my life. Was, um, there was a producer that was sitting in class who was scouting talent. And he comes up to me after the class and he goes, hey, you're kind of funny. You want to be on the Taco Bell commercial? Wow. And I said, oh, because I'm Mexican. I don't know. I'm just playing. So, <laughs> so I thought, I thought he was on some BS, whatever, whatever. I gave him my phone number. He ended up being real. Two weeks later, um, I was on a Taco Bell set doing a Taco Bell commercial for the Superfish Tacos at the age of 15 years old. That's the first thing I ever did in my life. So to cut the story short, I was ignorant at the time to residual income. I was 15. I didn't know what residual income was. I thought it was like, you got to work to get paid, work to get paid, work to get paid. I didn't know what residual income was, right? So for those of you who don't know what residual income is, it's whenever they show the commercial, you get a check. 
So I did this commercial and it was like it was like winning a baby lottery. I pretty much went from nothing to bling bling overnight. So what happened was when I did this commercial, all these checks were coming in and I thought it was a computer mess up, but I was cashing the checks because I wanted to be a good citizen, right? Yeah. I'm playing, I'm playing. So next thing I know, I was getting paid. I was convinced. Uh, right, right, I had you, I know. You, you look like a cardboard cutout for two seconds. So what ends up happening was all these checks were coming in and I was like, what? So like literally, like if they show the commercial 15 times in one day, it's 15 checks, you feel me? So. I called up the producer. I said, hey, why well, I keep on getting paid for this commercial? He goes, no, 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 that's how actors get paid. I said, what? I said, well, I want to be an actor. Hell yeah. So that's how the acting got started. So he hooked me up with a manager friend of his. He goes, I like you, man. I'm going to introduce you to this manager cat. I said, all right, cool. When I went to go in to meet this manager, I didn't know what I was doing, you know, what from what from what. So I walk in, I go in looking like this. I just go in like me. He's like, I like you, man. I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna get you going. I said, all right, cool. But when he started sending me out on stuff, everything he sent me out on was Cholo One, Gangster Two, Trigger. I go, I thought I was here to act. I grew up like this in real life. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that's how I started booking roles. Hell and that's yeah. how the acting uh, started. Hell yeah. That's what's up. That's a love. So, and I was working a bunch of nine to five jobs, you know, odd jobs, whatever, whatever. It was uh, until I did Fast and the Furious. That was the movie that uh, you know kind of started the roller coaster ride, uh-huh. and then that's where I started. Uh, that's where I was able to start making a living off of acting and acting only. Damn, that's dope as fuck. So that's the short version. Even though I know I, it, it took a while, but I tried to cut out a lot of fat, get straight to the bone. You know, it's it's funny. There is no short v- version in the hustle in your life. When we grind twenty four seven and we have to get out the mud and we come from our t- from our type of backgrounds. Shit, homie, take as much time as you need because this shit don't come overnight. And I think it's it's important that we highlight to the youngsters that this shit isn't quick. Everything these days in social media is such a quick illusion. Everything's so fast. Like, everything comes quick overnight. People get this paper. People make it overnight. It don't work like that, homie. That's, that's very unrealistic. No, I meant, I know, I meant time for the podcast. If you want no, this no, to be I a 10-hour interview, let's go. I know go. what you mean. I'm I know what playing. you mean. But I, yeah, I, I'm, just playing. I'm, I'm, I'm highlighting for my people yeah. so they know that this shit is not something that comes overnight. And everything that you need, and like, like the homie was saying earlier, earlier i had my homeboy silent here earlier like he was talking about how hard people work to get their shit and that's just part of life homie like if you don't work you don't eat it's from the bible homie straight up you know? I, I i love what you said because you know if, if we're gonna you know um uh run it that way yeah i was just trying to save time for the podcast and the you know whatever but yeah it took me uh eight years to get my first movie holy so shit. it was no it was no walk in the park you know what i'm saying and i always let people know like, if I would have quit it on that seventh year, if that seventh year I would have said it's too hard, throw in the towel, I can't do it, it's not going to happen, I wouldn't be where I'm at today. It took me eight years to get my first movie, so, you know, it was blood, sweat, and tears that went into this. And even when I got my first movie, I thought my first movie was going to fly. It was with Ice-T and uh, Danny Trejo at the time. And this was back, like, this is when, you know, Grandma was selling uh, stolen DVDs on the blanket, you know what I mean? It was like back then, right? But it didn't fly. It didn't take off. I was working at Kmart. I was a cash register person at Kmart. Quit the job to do this movie. That movie didn't end up going. But I'm just saying, it took that long. But but what that movie did was give me hope. And it told myself, like, oh, man, like, I could really do this. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd done one movie. Like, I could get another and another. And that's what kept me going. You know what I'm saying? Wow. So, yeah. But it was it was a few years after that. Before I got the one, which was Fast and the Furious, that started the real roller coaster ride. Wow. So the way I tell people to our youngsters out there, I say, 
there's only one way you can fail in life, and that's if you quit in life. If you never quit, you're never gonna fail. So that's how I tell it to people, you know what I'm saying? Or if you never try. And never try. If you never and try. There was one, I'll, I'll give you one that was kind of crazy, right? So a blessing that me and you have is we talk to a lot of successful people. And one successful person that I listen to, man, is this guy, Coach. And he calls himself Coach because he coaches you in things, right? It's like he wants to coach the team to win. Okay. So he calls himself Coach. And he said, there is no trying. If you're trying, you're just not doing it. So you never try, you just do. That's right. Yeah, so we're, we're not trying, we're doing it. Hell and yeah. even if we fail in our dues, we're going to keep on doing. Straight up. Yeah. It's, it's funny that you said that because every single person that I've had in that seat has said the same similar story. I had King Little G right there and I was asking him about one of his biggest songs and he was talking about how that was the song that he almost gave up. Then I had Brian Ortega in here and he was talking about how there were certain moments of his career where he almost gave up. And just different people had these moments where they almost gave up. You had your seventh year or your eighth year. Like you said, it's very important to never give up when you when you really have something in your heart and you really, really want it. But then there's those there's nine out of ten people that will give up. And those are the people that will get out of your way and God will move them out of your way so you could go exactly where you need to go if you just stay strong to what you believe in. Yeah. I yeah. really do believe in that. No, amen, man. That's what's oh, up. Yeah. And that's real talk right there. You know, it's funny because um God has given you the vision before it actually happened. Mm -hmm. So if it happened inside of your heart and inside of your mind, you can already make it happen on the outside. So everything you do now is in the past because God has already finished it in the future. But you got to fight for it in order for it to happen. Wow. So dreams can become reality. But how hard are you willing to fight for that dream to become a reality? I always tell people straight up that if you cannot see yourself being successful, you will never be successful. If you can't see yourself owning a business, you'll never own a business. If you can't see yourself starting a clothing line, you'll never start a clothing line. Because if you don't see it in yourself, how is someone else going to see it in you for you? You get what I'm saying? So you got to see yourself being successful. You got to take those risks and those challenges in life. I worked at a convalescent home, bro, and I never forgot this. It was one of my hardest lessons in life. I worked at a convalescent home when I was younger, when I was about 19, 20. They did a survey. They asked everybody over 65 years old, if you could go back and change something about your life, what would you have done differently? And over 83%, they said that they would have took more risks and more challenges in their life because now they're 65 and older wondering, could have I started that clothing line? Could have I became that rapper? Could have I became that photographer I wanted to be? Could have I you know, owned that business I wanted to own? And that's why you got to take risks and challenges in your life, bro, because you never know, man. You got to grab the opportunity when it's in front of you. And I think one of the biggest things to live with in life that, that you could uh, have baggage on is regret. I think if you have a regret that you look back and you're like, damn, I could have did that. You're just, short, you're just shorting yourself. You're cheating yourself in life. You know what I mean? Because that, that could be like one of the biggest moments. Have you ever uh, heard the story about uh, Henry Ford of how he got the, the V8 engine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah. That, that everybody single, every single right. engineer, every single person that worked from the whole warehouse, the whole building, they told them this cannot be done. Right. This cannot happen. We cannot forge eight cylinders into this to this engine. He said, I don't care how much money I have to spend. I don't care what part of the world you guys got to travel to to grab to grab the people to make it happen. You guys are gonna make it happen. Right. Ten years into the thing, boom, V eight. The it's, first V8 by, by Henry Ford. It's, it's like, it's like you know, when Blockbuster laughed at Netflix and everything else, you know what I mean? Like, if, if the vision was given to you and you only... See, this is one of the things, man. This is why 
a lot of the Asian people mm -hmm. are the most richest people in the United States because they come from a land of nothing. And when they come to the United States, they see a land of opportunity. And that's why we live here. We live here. And a lot of people don't even see opportunity in our own backyard. And that's why we got to be able to create that opportunity. That's why everybody has a special gift that is inside of them that God wants to pull out of you. And that's what makes you a special me only because God gave you the gift and you only for you to see it, produce it and make it happen. Wow. That's amazing. When did you start having these type of beliefs? I know I know a young Noel G fresh off the streets into acting didn't have this. Was this over time speaking to people in the acting game, reading? Like, where did you get this type of knowledge? Uh, so when I was um, 15 years old, my parents left me at 13. Uh, we all been there, you know, done that, whatever. And when they, Noel, I take that back. But I'm saying my, my story. My parents left me at 13 and I was homeless from 13 to the age of 15 years old. Wow. So, you know, at that time, I was just thinking about survival. You know what I'm saying? Where I'm going to eat, where I'm going to sleep, what am I going to do? How am I going to get money? Whatever. Mm -hmm. So I slept in laundromats. I slept in donut stores. There were times I didn't have a place to sleep. I did the couch tour. I went from friend's house to friend's house to friend's house. But you know the deal. When you ain't paying the bills at someone's house, your welcome is going to run out eventually. Absolutely. So what happened was when I was 15, I met this girl. And this girl asked me a question one day. She said, uh, how come you always wear the same clothes and I never seen where you live? So I ain't going to front. I was 15. I broke down. I started crying. I told her straight up. My parents left me. I'm homeless. This is what it is. She took me to her dad's house. Her dad was a pastor for a church. So he heard my story and he said, hey, you can live in this home. But if you live here, you're going to hear the word of God. And I said, homie. I hear the word of anything. I just want a place. Yeah. You know what I mean? I just want a roof. Homeboy could have been Buddhist, Muslim, whatever. <laughs> I was like, let's go, right? I just yeah. want a roof. So that was the first time, though, that I seen structure in a family. Because in that house, they served the Lord, and they were serving God. And that's the first time that I saw structure um, with, with Jesus in a family, right? And I wanted that. I saw that. And I was like, I saw the way the mom and the dad were with each other in front of the kids and everything. And I was like, wow, like I never had that before, you know? So it caught me. But fast forward, Hollywood kicked off. And that's when I got the commercial because I was I was with uh, the daughter at the time, right? So what ended up happening was um, when Hollywood kid, I'm just keeping a 100, all the money came in. I saw the short skirts and the partying and I turned my back on God and I said, God, I don't need you no more. And my whole life was a party for like 20 years. Um, the way I say it, I, I had the money to do it, the quote unquote fame to do it and the connections to do it. So I did it. I was wilding out on a whole nother level, you know. And so in uh, 2007, I was on Warner Brothers studio and I met this uh, and God works in mysterious ways. He'll attack you. He'll blindside you sometimes to get your attention. And God definitely got my attention. I was on Warner Brothers studios and this white guy comes up to me. And he goes, hey, you're the one in all the movies, right? I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we started talking for three hours. And we didn't talk about God at all. All we talked about was movies, sports, you know, props, you know, Warner Brothers. Like, we just talked about everything else, right? At the end of the three hours, he goes, hey, do you want to ride back to your car? And I said, yeah. Takes me back to my car. And he had the go-kart. And we're in the parking lot. And he goes, hey, man, it was nice meeting you. And right when he shakes my hand, he goes, Father God, I want to pray for this brother right now. And he just started praying for me. And it and it hit me in a different way, bro. And uh, when it hit me, he was truly a light in the dark. 
I saw something in him that I didn't see in people from the world. And I got tired of all the people who were backstabbers and two-faced and say and don't do and et cetera, et cetera. But this guy always kept his word and there was something different about him than the people in the world. And I said, you know what? I want to do business with you because I saw him on a different page, right? But one day I told him, and I didn't understand this. One day I told him, I said, gee, I trip out on you, bro. I go, because this guy was broke as hell. And I and I, I told him one day, I said, I trip out on you, bro. I go, you always wear the same clothes. Your house is the size of my bathroom. You got a, a, a raggedy truck. I go, you, you got nothing. You're struggling to pay your bills and you got nothing, but you're always so happy. And he looked me straight up in the face and he goes, nah, brother, you're wrong. He goes, I got everything. He goes, I got Jesus Christ in my heart. And I just wanted what he had, bro. So I turned my life over to God in 2008. I don't claim perfect in any way, shape or form, but I started gaining the knowledge of God. And that's why a lot of people, man, they don't get in that personal relationship with God to know what God is telling them, to know what God is telling them straight out, what to do and what not to do. God wants to be a part of your choices, a part of your decisions. And God cannot bless what's out of order. If you are living a life out of order, God cannot bless disorder. Mm, that's powerful. And there's a lot more, but there's a taste. That's that's a powerful statement because I could state, state in my own life when I was uh, having a lot of blessings in front of me from the rap game, different shit, when I wasn't focused more in the streets, more going out to the shows, more ego, I would say the doors weren't as open as they are now. Now I have anything in front of me that I wish to have, and I feel like the doors and, and anything that I ask always open because my intentions are in the right place. So having your intentions in the right place is definitely a, a powerful thing. 100, 100. They, and they know that, you know, God gives you discernment too. Mm -hmm. When you know the word of God and you truly yourself know the word of God, you know if someone else is real about the word of God or not because you yourself know the word of God. Big time. Anyone can run game on you. I mean, the Bible says very clearly that if you do not know the truth of God, you can be manipulated, deceived. You can be, you know, ran the gift of gab on you or whatever. You can be tricked because you don't know the truth of God yourself to know that you're really hearing the truth from someone who claims that they know God. That's true. And, and in the book of Revelations, it says that the Antichrist will come as Jesus Christ. And, and if you don't if you don't know the word of God, if you don't know as, as a savior, not Jesus Christ, but if you don't know the word of God, you're going to get tricked. Like like it says, people that even like worship God will be tricked and deceived because it's going to be so, so, so hard to tell the difference. And that's why I tell people, man, you got to get in that personal relationship with God to know God yourself. So you know that you know that you know. So um, I tell people this one, man. And, and, you know, it's funny. Like, you know, we I'm not saying that I was the craziest. I'm not saying none of that. None of that. Yeah. I'm just saying I've lived the street life. I've been there, done that. I'm not saying once again, I was the craziest nothing. You know, I did four years. I was facing 15 years for um, attempted murder, assault with a deadly weapon. Damn. Yeah, I, I had I had my my fair share, right? Again, I'm not saying I'm the crazy. I'm just saying I've been there, done been, that. I lived been that life. Some shit. And um, the reason why I was saying that is because I tell people like this: if I'm a dork and a nerd because I want freedom and a family, then I'll be a dork with freedom and a family than a tough guy in a two man cell. You know, That's some crazy shit. It's, it's some of the most people that 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 
claim that gangsters in the world are, are have the priority straight uh, messed up. I believe being a gangster is, is taking care of your business, doing what you want to do in life, taking care of your family, providing businesses for people. Some people don't. Some people lost the classy gentleman aspect of what it really is. You know? Right. And the reason the reason why I was saying that was when we were talking earlier. The reason why I said a personal relationship is so important is because it's funny. We in the streets running that type of life, whatever. And yeah, we can do that. But there's two things that I'll be straight up, straight out that I am truly afraid of. And I'll keep a 100. I'm afraid of these two things. And this is what I tell people. There's two things that you should be afraid of no matter how hardcore you think you are or whatever. I do not want to stand before God and have him say these four words to me. I don't know you. Wow. That's one. And the second thing is hell. If we go downstairs to hell, we burn for an eternity. It never stops. It's not like you're burning for five years and okay, I'm used to it. Now I can lay back. It's an eternity. It never, ever, 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 ever stops. And that's hell for you. Wow. And that's why I tell people straight up, man, like, I don't want to be that dude. And that's why it's so important to know God yourself. So you know directly who you're hearing from who your power source is, who's guiding you in your decisions, your choices, and everything else. So the way that I run it on people, <clears throat> I tell them like this. If you were at home alone, I'll just play the game with you real quick. If you were at home alone and some guy knocks on the door and says, yo, criminal, let me inside, man. I just want to shower and eat some food. You going to let him in? Hell motherfucking no. Why aren't you going to let him in? Because I was raised not to fuck with strangers. But but the more important fact behind that protect is what? My, protect my family and my home. I'm just trying. And what else? Because what? The main thing. You kind of already said I it. I don't trust motherfuckers. Okay, I'll put it to you like this. Because Damn. you don't know. Yeah, hell. That's, so, yeah, I should have said that first. Yeah, that's all right. That's right. That's right. You, you were playing in my sandbox yeah, yeah, for two yeah, yeah. seconds. So right. here's, here's my whole point. Heaven is God's home. Mm -hmm. So when you stand before God... And you say, let me into heaven, which like is God's home. a stranger at the door. God's going to say, I don't wow, know you. That was a beautiful analogy. And that's, I never looked at it like that. And that's how and that's how I tell people. And that's why you got to get to know God Damn. personally yourself. You got to spend that intimate time with him to know his word, to know what he's telling you, et cetera, et cetera. And that's where it starts. So the way I tell people, and I'll keep it short like this, this is how I tell people the four steps. I say at first, don't even trust God. Forget about trusting him right now. Don't even trust him. I'm telling you straight out, don't even trust him yet. Just get to know him. When you get to know him, you'll start to trust him. Wow. And what do you do when you really start trusting someone? You start having love for him. And then when you fall in love with God, that's what keeps you straight and keeps you in alignment because you don't want to hurt who you really love. Wow. But if you don't know him, to trust them, to start loving them, to fall in love with them, you're going to wild out and do what you do because you don't love them and you don't care who you're hurting. That's crazy. Hey, homie, I'm smiling right now listening to you speak, right? No, it's all good. No, no, no. I'm, I'm going to tell you why, though. Because I never knew you were so passionate about Christ. And it's a beautiful thing to see you with so much love because when you're speaking of love, you're getting fired up. And when I went to church when I was a kid, they used to say being on fire for the Lord. And I never thought that I would have a podcast right here where I'm chilling, smoking, kicking it with the homie. And you're literally on fire for the Lord in front of the whole world's going to see you. And I think it's a beautiful thing, homie. And I, I take my hat off to you that you have so much courage and knowledge and, and passion and fire in your heart for it. You can tell that this love is real. Yeah, no, thank you, bro. It means a lot. Hell yeah. Um, 
That means a lot. Thank you, bro. Did yeah, you ever think yeah, about passing? For the, nah, did you ever means, think about preaching? Yeah. Like, did you, did you ever think about teaching this? Because, like, you have a passion in the way you speak. It, it's very, very powerful. Yeah. Um, I thought I was doing it for a while. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'll keep it 100. I, I had a fallout with my wife that kind of backslid me a little bit. So I don't ever want to, like, really go fully in mm-hmm. until it's it's there to do that. You get what I'm I saying? See. That's why I, you know, but it, but I've I've been taught like this by Coach once again. So Coach, this guy, just so you know, this guy owns a packaging company. Okay. And what he what he does is he teaches kingdom principles, kingdom business. So he teaches. So he's a billionaire, just so you know, he's a billionaire, right? Not that that means anything here or there. I'm saying that to say this. He teaches that the money is never the purpose. The money is what funds the purpose. Mm. So he goes, I got a company, but where am I at? I'm in a room teaching you guys about God mm-hmm. because the company, God wants you to provide. God wants you to work out of wealth, not need. So you can be in a position to give back and do it God's way. You understand? Uh, yeah. So long story short, he coaches us. And a lot of the things that I've learned are from him. He's teaching you how to do kingdom business for God, so you make it God's business, not your own business. And when it's God's business, that's the best business you can ever, you know, let out there. You get what I'm saying? Absolutely. It's, a, it's the only business that it should be at yeah. the end of the day. Unless unless you want to crash and burn at the end of the day. Because like you said, that, that eternal stuff is no joke. It, it's not a joke, bro. I'm telling you, dog. That's why, uh, you know, like I said, we could run it up in the streets, whatever, whatever. But those those are the two things that you want to... And, I, and I've been there, you know, I, I get it, man. We've been in church and, you know, a lot of people have been church hurt and they leave, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, stuff like that happens. And sometimes it doesn't help, too, when you know some stuff behind the scenes, you know. But I always tell people straight out, man, if we keep on church hopping and we go from this church to that church to that church, there's never going to be a real one that's in the church that shows the fake how to be real. So maybe God put you there to be a light in the dark. You don't have to just be a light in the dark in the world. You could be a light in the dark in church, too, as well. Wow. I mean, at the end of the day, no one's perfect. There's nowhere in the Bible that says the people that go into my building of church are going to be uh, exalt, exempt from sin and, and, and mistakes and stuff like that. It's actually the opposite. When you're held accountable, uh, sometimes people have more tests, just like in the book of Job. You know? So it is what it is. I'm listening to you, too, though, bro. And, and uh, you know the word. Yeah. Yeah. You know the word because you're saying some stuff that's on fire as well. Yeah. You know, uh I think I feel like this whole podcast was was led by God, and so it, it has to be that way. Yeah, I think God got a, a high calling on your life to keep it one hundred, and I think you know God just wants you back. That's dope. Yeah, real oh, talk. I'm, I'm walking the path that I'm supposed to be in. Real talk. And I, and I knew that this conversation was going to go this this direction based off of uh, the conversation that we initiated on this to, to rekindle this. Like, just so people know, <clears throat> like uh, the homie Noel G is always putting like stories and quotes about the Bible and experiences and I think it's a beautiful thing you motivate a lot of people the other day you had said something that caught my attention and I spoke a little bit unintelligently thinking I knew something and you had a uh, went out of your way to take a screenshot of something that your pastor sent you so so you could kind of correct me on that and then we kind of got back and forth with speaking I thought it was a, a very healthy debate and I thought it was dope because you were passionate about it just like you are right now so I'll give you a, I'll give you one, man, just so you hear this, right? Mm-hmm. So this is something that will just kind of make you think for a quick second. Yeah. Um, when the disciples were hanging out with Jesus, right? Mm-hmm. One of the disciples 
started washing his hands before he was eating the food. Okay. And Jesus walked up to him and said, why are you washing your hands before you eat the food? And the disciple goes, well, because this guy told me to. So Jesus walks up to the second disciple and he says, why are you washing your hands before you eat the food? And the disciple goes, oh, well, because this guy told me to. So Jesus walked up to the third disciple and he said, why are you washing your hands before you eat the food? And the third disciple said, oh, well, because this guy told me to. So right then and there, Jesus realized that everyone is listening to everybody else, but the one that matters the most, which is Jesus, who was the teacher. So Jesus had to find a way to reverse that. So the way that he reversed it is he said, let it be more important what comes out of your mouth than what you put in your mouth. Because he wanted to show the disciples, stop listening to everybody else when the only one you should be listening to is me. And, And the problem with a lot of people is we listen to a lot of other people. We have been built up by movies, music, you know, Xbox and Nintendo and our friends, what they say, what this guy says. And we listen to everybody else but God's word. True. And so when we listen to God first, that's when people more so understand like, oh, wow. Because when you truly hear the word of God, it will renew the way you think. It will renew your heart. It will renew your life. It will renew everything about you. That's why God wants to, you know, sometimes rebuild you. But in order to be rebuilt, you have to be torn down first so God can rebuild. And God, once God is truly inside of you, you will have a renewed language, a renewed way of thinking. You'll have a renewed heart. You'll be someone completely, entirely different from who you were. But people who are claiming God and there's no life change, that's how you know that God is not real in their life because there's been no transformation. Mm. There's nothing that's that's being output to the world that shows the the no receipts, so to say. Right? Exactly, yeah. and that's and that's why that's why again you know when someone's real about God and not real about God because it shows in their lifestyle. Yeah, absolutely. You know. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. What would, what would you say would be the moment that you felt that God had a hand in your life in? in just period. Like, when did you feel like, other than than coach coming in, did you see, looking back at your career, looking back at what you went through? Because I, I feel like God was working with you since since your struggles in the streets. But when did you realize, looking back, like, okay, God's had me since this moment? Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was, God's always had me since I was 15, because I was the one. Um, I'm just sharing my life story. I got yeah. no judgment on anybody. So this I is all about it. you, Noel. No, no, it's, it's about us. You know, yeah, it's about yeah. everybody. I just want to clear it up, like saying, like, I'm just sharing my life story, right? That's what they're tuned in for. But I was the one that was, you know, drinking and smoking weed to keep it real. No, I'm just saying, like, that's what I say. Like, no judgment, bro. Yeah, you already nah, know nah, what's so up. Good. Like, no I'm ju- a, but I'm, I'm a saying, great, great descendant of it, Bob Marley, so it's <laughs> So I was I was that dude, but I was talking about God. So I was a little crisscross, you feel yeah. me? So in 2008, and, and again, just sharing my story, uh, this is where I can honestly say, so before 2008, male slut, drinker, smoker, 
cusser, fighting a lot, Damn, gambler. This is my producer, though, dog. He's all this stuff. Show all what are you talking about? <laughs> like, you just jumped in, bro. Hey, are you? Like, Why are you going in on me, bro? I know. I know. My bad. Don't worry. Don't worry. I, I was the. I, I've been there. I've been there. No judgment. No judgment. No judgment, bro. No judgment. Like. I get it, I get it, I've been there, no judgment, no judgment, I swear. It's getting too serious, we gotta have some, some nah, fun. Yeah, 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 mandatory, mandatory. I feel like we're in church right now. Nah, it's all no, love. No judgment, oh, and, and just so you know, this this information is never volunteered unless asked, you know nah, what I mean? Nah, for sure, so, so, so when you were working at Chippendales, what happened? Yeah, right? Oh, I made a lot of money, homie. Yeah. I made a lot of money, they were tipping me hundreds of dollars. Nah, for real. Nah, I'm playing. Let's go. But um, in 2008, all I'm saying is, when I said, God, you know what? I'm not playing with you no more. Yeah. I'm going to be real. There was a transformation in my life. So I went from all that to married man. No smoking, no drinking. Wow. Never walked in a casino for seven years. I can't say that I didn't cuss, but I didn't cuss like 80, 85% of my life. Um, I cussed a lot less is what I'm saying because I renewed my language. And anyways, that's my point from... From the point that I turned my life over to God, I created a new past that was a new person. And that's where you saw the transformation. I never claimed perfect, but I'm just saying I wasn't in my old ways anymore. I was in new ways that were new ways of God. Makes sense? Hell yeah, it does make sense. Absolutely. And so that's, and that's why, and, and a lot of people too, you know, it's funny. They say that, they go, I'm not perfect. Cause I used to say that a lot too. And we're not perfect, but you know what God showed me? We could be champions in Christ. Meaning that if there's a transformation in our life, champions in Christ means that there's a new life that, hey, you're not perfect, but you know what? You've come a long way and you're now a champion, bro. In the sense of you're not doing what you used to do, what makes you a champion because you have gave up the old lifestyle and have truly stuck to your new lifestyle for God. Wow. That's a beautiful thing. Let's take it back a little bit because we've been going heavy with the God stuff. And I think that's amazing because he's the one that makes everything happen. But I would like to highlight some of the career and highlight some of the motivating moments so we could teach some of the fans that they could become that too. Because every everybody's going to definitely take a moment to, uh, you know, learn about God. And that's a beautiful thing. But I want them to know that they, they might have a chance to be the next Noel G. They might have the chance to break through and meet somebody that changed their life because there's a lot of people that are struggling watching this. What is a, a message that you would give back to a young Noel G at 15 years old when you were on the streets? If you could look back at that Noel G and, and have a message for him right now, what would you tell him? I would tell him uh, straight out, be a person of integrity. Mm. Be someone who does what you say. Your reputation is worth more than the money you have in your bank account. You got to keep a clean reputation. If you're someone who goes to work and you say, I'm sorry I'm late. I'm sorry I forgot that email. I'm sorry I forgot to make that phone call. I'm sorry I forgot to take those pictures that I was supposed to take and give them to you. You know what you become? You become a sorry worker. And no one wants to work with sorry workers. They want to work with people who get stuff done. So I would tell them be a person of integrity and always be an honest worker and do what it is that you say. Because when you do what you say, that's how you earn favor with people. And people want to do favors for you because they just like you. Wow. And someone would just when someone just likes you, they just they just want to do favors for you. And that's how you advance in the game. Because man, I like you, man. Like 
you, you, you're an honest worker, you're a hard worker, you keep your word, you're always doing what you're supposed to be doing, and sometimes more than what you're supposed to be doing, you never cause problems, and you know what, man, because you're a person of integrity, I want to make you an assistant manager now, so that's what I tell people, and I tell people this too, I tell people, stop going to other people that have just as many problems as you talking about your problems, mm. looking for good advice. That's a good point. So I tell people like this, problems don't go down. They go sideways and up. A, a soldier complains to the captain. Mm. A captain complains to the general. The general complains to the vice president. And the vice president complains to the president. Problems go up. And what happens is a lot of times people, you guys will go and try to get advice from other people that their life is just as jacked up as yours and you're expecting to get good advice. It don't work like that. Your problems go up, not down or sideways. So that's what I that's what I tell people all the time, man. Just be a person of integrity because the number one thing in any business, no matter what it is you do, the one thing that will advance you the furthest and the most is personal relationship. Mm. And if you screw up those personal relationships, you're going to be sitting there wondering why you don't got a job and why you're struggling, et cetera, et cetera. And you can't make a, a second, first impression. Like, it, you fuck that up, it's, well, a, it's a wrap. 100, you know? 100. Yeah. And that's one of the most important things when it comes to our business, and from Hollywood to the music industry to, to entertainment, period. Like, you, you run into these people, and a lot of people work with the next man, and they network, and like you said, they open doors for the next person. Like, David Ayer, shout out to David Ayer. He got me in situations on in front of uh, Alma Harrell and Honey Boy and, and, and on Tax Collector, and, like, they just open doors for other situations that you never would even imagine could happen, you know? So And that's just because he likes you, man, yeah, and because he likes because, you, it's like, yeah. take this ride with me. Exactly, and that's a dope thing, and, and, and shout out <laughs> to people like that in the industry that, that actually look out for others, you know? So And I also tell him, you know, this last thing, too, and I'm yeah, sorry, is, no, no, is good. Ha have social skills, man like you know know how to talk to people look them in the eye put your phone away yeah you know stuff like that we got this new generation now that they're all up in their phone and they don't even know how to <laughs> there you go and they don't even know how to they don't even know how to communicate with people anymore you know yeah. what i mean like we did because we didn't have that we were forced to talk to For people sure. so sure. yeah man it's uh there's a lot, man. There's a lot that can go into that, but those are some of the gold nuggets right there. For sure. Next question will be texted to you, so pick up your phone. <laughs> <laughs> <That's funny>. Nah, <laughs> we just having fun, man. Nah, so That's I want to ask. So I want to ask. Uh, That's funny. There's a dude in the movies that when I was growing up back in the days, I know you. I know you remember because we talked about this in person, and you told me this was this was brought up to you before. There was a dude in the movie. I don't remember the name of the movie. We had a barcode on the back of his neck. And I told oh. you, I, I asked, was like, was that you? And you said you get mistaken for him a lot. Was, yeah. Is that is that something that you experienced a lot in the beginning of your career? And then, yeah, unfortunately, you took the, the homie out because yeah, you took no, all no, the roles, right? <laughs> no, there's other, yeah, there's other cholo actors out there, bro. It's yeah. all good. But, um, no, it's funny, man. So I'll tell you a quick true story. Yeah. A lot of people used to mistake me for the Joker Brothers in Friday Part 2. Yeah. And before... I used to be like, no, 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 that, that's not me. I go, there's another actor that looks like me. And I used to explain myself. Yeah. But man, fast forward, after you explain yourself to a bunch of cats, I don't do it no more. Yeah. Now, if they go, hey, you the homie on Friday part two, I go, yeah, yeah, that's me, bro. Let's take the picture. <laughs> and if they come later and they're like, yo, dog, like I looked at, I'll be like, then I'll explain it to that one yeah. who catches it. Yeah. But I just don't, I just can't explain myself to every Tom, Dick, and Harry. Nah. So now, 
I let it ride, bro. I got people that always tell me, like, you're the homie in Hancock. I wasn't in Hancock. They tell me, you're the, you're the Joker brother from France. And before, like I said, I, no, no, no. That's not me. What happened? And then I get caught up in a conversation. Now to keep it moving, I just, yeah, that was me, bro. Let's take a picture. Thanks, bro. Goodbye. Damn. Yeah, hey, yeah. Whatever's just, quicker, right? There's just some things you got to, like, you know, let go and let go. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you just can't. You just can't. You can't explain yourself to everybody. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, another thing in the business that's funny is a lot of people and it's love it's love just so we get that out the way like it's love it's such a blessing when you could do something that was 20 years ago still be remembered today and still get love on it like love 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 and i love everybody it's love 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 right but it's just funny too at the same time from another point of view when they come up and they're like you know hey man you're the one with the three spoon engines or the monkey and i get that a lot <laughs> and i'm like i just can't laugh at it no more because i've heard it fifty thousand yeah. times you yeah, get what got, i'm saying it got old. It got old. so I always tell people as a joke, it's a joke, but not a joke. Yeah. I go, if you ever want to get on an actor's good side, yeah. never talk about acting. Yeah. Talk about sports or real life or like, you know, there's sometimes where you don't want to talk about rapping and beats. Nah. There's sometimes like, just give me a break and let a homie yeah, kick it. You know what I'm saying? Over. Like, because, yeah. and then, but you know, it shows you agenda too when some people talk like that yeah, too. Yeah, for sure. So, so that monkey thing was before CGI, huh? The- <laughs> 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 we had a podcast, so we had a podcast, so it's gonna go there. You know what I'm saying? Hey, we had no, a, no, hey, trip out, dog. Yeah, trip funny. out. I'm gonna tell you something, bro. I'm gonna yeah. tell you. You know how they did the monkey scene? It was crazy, right? <laughs> so I know, man. I know. Hey, all I know is the check cleared, bro. Hey, the check hey, cleared. That shit was funny, though. Hey, you were there to entertain me. You did that nothing, shit good. I don't see nothing bad in it, bro. Nah, so he did a magic there's trick. Wrong with I know, that like whatever, right? But you get a homie here, there who hates whatever. Fuck that. But I don't care. I don't. I do a haters fuel me, bro. Hey, homie, you're being talked me. about all over the world on a picture with uh, Jim Carrey. That's uh, legendary. No, man. it fuels me. It fuels me. Yeah. But let me tell you how they did the scene real quick, though. Yeah. It's gonna trip you out. So they made a cage. They had a ca- they had a, a cage with no door on it, and they made an oversized pair of pants with Velcro. <laughs> oh shit! That's how they and the monkey came out on the sound. So that, that, I was that's, right. It wasn't CGI. No, no, that's how they, that's how they did it. That's how they did it, oh G. I'm telling God. you. That shit's crazy, dog. That, that was all, I had, all I had to do was make the face. They Hollywood it together, and there you go. Hey, homie, and and, and you did your thing. Not on a, on a serious note, though. How was it working with Jim Carrey? Oh, man, it was off the hook, bro. Humble cat. Cool, cool. Real down-to-earth dude. Crazy cat, though, man. Uh, I got seven weeks out of the film. Damn. We were all supposed to work one because he kept on rewriting the scenes. Oh, is that right? So uh, what happened with uh, the Bruce Almighty joint, was he says after the monkey comes out I fall back he goes it's time to teach the rest of you a lesson and one of my homies says oh yeah you and what army and then what ended up happening was 50 Jim Carrey's jump out of Jim Carrey and we and we each get our own individual beating so we actually started filming that stuff like Jim Carrey lookalikes were coming to set the whole deal we read we went I'm surprised this stuff didn't make it in the special features right I didn't care though I was like keep on rewriting I'm getting paid you know what I'm saying I was like, take it to the neck. But um, what ended up happening was the producer finally came through and said, you know what? It's too early in the movie to display your power like that. So we got to stop all this. We got to have an ending and let's go oh, on to the next scene. That makes sense. So that's that's what ended up happening. So, so you I guys got, shot a gang of scenes so for that. We shot a gang of scenes, man. Everyone had an individual scene where they got their own personal beating from Jim Carrey's. But they had one where... There was gangster Jim Carries. Yeah. And they were in the Impala hitting the switches. Ah, and a gang nah. and a gangster was in between the engine and the and the hood. Ah. And he was getting bounced up and down. 
We missed they, that. Yeah, they were filming all. I thought this stuff would make it a special, but it didn't. So that sucks. You know, so working with Jim was an experience. You know what I'm saying? I I've been very blessed to have a lot of experiences in acting, and that's what I love about acting. It's always something different, new location. It's never the same thing. Always meet new people. That's why I love what we do. You know what I mean? Hell yeah. When when uh. You highlight that You remind me We both know the homie Steve Viegas Shout out to the homie Shout out to Steve Right, now, right, there. right now Shooting on SWAT it, Congratulations He working He working Yeah he's doing his thing But we uh, We also met on the set of Bright <clears throat> Like I said He's the one that introduced me to you Steve was the one who brought me there Yeah 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 yeah. yeah I remember And uh, He was He was on a set with me With, with Shia LaBeouf and, and Bobby Soto For David Ayer's movie Yeah t- Have you heard, yeah, I you was hear in the story? Collector You hear the story though With me and Steve No no what happened So we shot like Fucking oh, no, 12 no, no. hours Yeah 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 yeah. And you they t- had a prosthetic arm yeah, For him Yeah 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 And then we ended up uh, They were broke his arm In the scene Right And it was a whole house And we they ended up talking I was the one that's Like going at it With, with Shia LaBeouf and Bobby And uh, I'm calling Like like they're like Hey where's so and so And I'm like Representing for the house And I'm like sitting there Speaking this whole dialogue With Shia LaBeouf and Bobby And he takes my chain And we're getting into it And I end up beating Some fool's ass right there And the whole shit And then when the movie comes out all that prosthetic arm shit broken bones all the shots that they got different angles the whole shit none of that made the movie i know that's crazy it it sucks man that's why they spent a lot of time on steve i remember for like four hours just doing the blood and the broken bones and it would have been a badass scene hey that scene honestly it would have been clean that scene was hard but the only thing i didn't like is i got my chain took <laughs> that shit ain't gonna happen in real life. Ain't no Shia LaBeouf yeah. taking my chain, homie. Come on. Oh, but now nah, that that's a trip because I, also on Bright we so we I filmed personally like I think it was twelve days and there was other scenes where we got into with the orcs and other shit shootouts and none of that shit made the cut. So it's just part of the game, you know. That's why I, I've learned one thing, man. I never tell anybody I'm in any movie until it comes out. Real shit. You know what I'm real saying? Shit. Yeah. I, I wait till the joint comes out and then I'll be like, oh, I made it. All right, I'm for sure. Because I was I was in, legit in it. Nah, because I was in Bloodsport. I was in one of the main main scenes with John Clavad Dam and you know they took out my spinning kick I remember that, that bro that sucks up. you, you yeah, caught that cut, air you caught about 3-4 feet cut. on that jump <laughs> I remember that dog nah. that made it to the special features though <laughs> yeah. if you guys go to special you'll see it that's right <laughs> so, so uh, to wrap it up working with Jim Carrey that was a, a, a dope moment for you would you say what what would you say would be one of your favorite moments ever filming on camera? I mean, Jim Carrey was a bucket list item. You know what I mean? I've been very blessed uh, to film with some bucket list uh, bucket listers that I wanted to work with. Yeah, because I, I got really only to be honest one left that I want to hit Al Pacino. I, I hope I get him before he goes. You know what I'm Hell saying? Because yeah. that's a, that's a classic right there. But um, I don't know, man. To be honest, man, I've had some. What, what, what I like, you know, even though I do a lot of small roles in movies here, there, and there, is a lot of my roles are memorable. Hell so yeah. I, I love stuff like that. You know what I'm saying? I, I make a joke. I'm like the Mexican wears Waldo and everything. You That's know what right. I'm saying? Hell yeah. But um, I've been very blessed, man, in my career to do a lot of a lot of stuff where it's been out the box. And, you know, <clears throat> so I got a couple good moments, but to hit one, man, you got me on that one, bro. I really, I really don't know. I can't, I can't even answer that to be honest. How was it working with Denzel? Uh, Denzel was hella cool. Now the, now the weed getting me, bro. Yeah. So now I'm getting high. <laughs> a, now I'm getting high of a second half smoking right now. That's uh, right. We good on the water bottle, crit? Or you need to move? Crit. I think up? he's high too. Uh, no. Did this jack it up? <laughs> no, no, you're I good. put out the way right yeah, there. There you go. That's right, <laughs> no, actually still <laughs> in frame. <laughs> if you want, just put it a little bit to the side. Right here. All right, right here. Yeah, right there. Hey, there you go. <laughs> you got it, you got it. That's right, I love it. <laughs> I think Denzel, we're all getting help this. Yeah, Denzel. No, Denzel was hella cool, man. Denzel, what ended up happening 
was, um, you know, I, I respect Denzel 100, mm-hmm. but he was in work mode. Okay. He was, um, he was just hard to approach. Hella cool, humble dude, but I'm just saying, you know, you could tell there was times he didn't want to be bothered. So you give him that space, you give him that respect, because he was in work mode, you know what I mean? Yeah. That was the first movie ever where he played a bad guy in his whole career. So the first movie ever. So, um, you know, I, I respected that. And every, just to keep it 100, every time Dick and Harry was trying to talk to him, mm-hmm. so I didn't want to be that other guy. I feel that. You know what I'm saying? That's so how I, it was on the I, Will Smith movie. Uh, yeah, you just try to keep your cool. And if it happens naturally, yeah. then it does. You know what, I'm re- yeah. you know what I mean? But... You don't want to. You don't want to force it. You know I what didn't I mean? force it. I remember I was with the. Everybody was trying to ask Will Smith for a photo. I remember very clearly, and David Ayer was walking me around. David's like, "Hey, Will, come over here. Take a picture with Mr. Criminal." That shit oh, was that's dope. what's up. I'll never forget that because I didn't want to be that dude either. And right, I was like, right, Fuck, right. If he's asking for the picture, I'm definitely not gonna oh, say no. You exactly, know? exactly. Because because David Ayer is a cool motherfucker. Right? Oh yeah, David's my peeps, man. Yeah. David David's uh, one heck of a reason too why my career got you know jump started too. Yeah. So shout out to David Ayer, man, all day long. How did uh? How did one of the real ones in the game you know one of the real real and one, and one of the top ones in the real one that's that's rare yeah hell yeah you know and, a, I mean? and a motherfucker that will we'll just hit you up once in a while like hey homie i miss you tap yeah. in just say what's up i mean no. i got a message from the other day on some real shit he's just like how you doing homie i miss you just want to say what's up that's what's that's up, a man. real motherfucker that's know? love that's love yeah, man so yeah hope, david's david's hella cool man soon and shit. i got a lot of love for Dave. hell yeah uh the scene where, where you guys were shit right here. I was gonna say right here where, <laughs> where you put homeboy in the uh, in in the bathtub and shit like that. What was going through your mind? Did you know that that was gonna be a monumental moment in your life because that shit was like talked about. That shit was everywhere. That was one of the biggest movies of that time in our culture. And I think uh, as you say, people still recognize you from years later. Did you realize at that moment when you were filming that it was gonna be that much of an impact? Um, I mean, I kind of had a, a little bit because, you know, Denzel's attached. Yeah. So that, of course, gives, you know what I'm saying? But um, it was funny because before I got the role in that movie, I didn't know Denzel was in it. They Damn. kept they kept that a secret. I see. So they that wasn't in the breakdown and all that. You know what I mean? I knew Ethan Hawke was attached. Okay. But they just didn't release Denzel's name is what I'm saying. So long story short, fast forwarding, when I was on set, I was like, Damn. Like, I, I couldn't believe it. Like, I was in shock. Like, when, when I heard Denzel was in it, I, I was literally in shock. Like, I didn't even think I was good enough to be there. You know what I mean? Wow. So, I just did what I did the best I could. And, you know, I kind of pictured myself in a real situation when you're chilling with the homies, whatever. Put myself in that zone. And uh, I'll tell you what was hard about that scene, though. Nobody knows this. I'm going to drop one right now. And no one knows. Denzel got sick. Oh, shit. And... When you're Denzel, you could call in sick. You know what I'm saying? But when you're someone else, you can't call in sick yet. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. This ain't like a nine to five where they could just replace you at the register. Yeah. They need you and you only. Denzel got sick. So because he got sick, they kept on bringing us back and forth to set. So we shot that scene in seven days. But we shot it Monday, 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 oh, and then shit. Tuesday. So it was one of the hardest scenes ever. To, to get into and come back to because we were shooting it on a sound studio. So that kitchen and all that, the house part was a real house. I, if I remember correctly, on Boyle Heights, I think. But the inside was on a sound studio. So when we were there, they had to keep the continuity on the table mm. and the whole deal. And we would come back a week later, left off from where we shot a week ago and start from there. And we were doing that for seven weeks straight. Wow. So that was one of the hardest scenes to shoot I was on 
man, I was on I was on eggshells, you know what I'm saying? Because it's a movie with Denzel, you don't want to mess up, you want to bring your A game to the table. All that all that is going through your head. You know what I mean? So it was it was hard to to do, to be honest with you, only because of that. Denzel got sick or something happened. They would bring him to set and they'd be like, we're bringing back Denzel. And then when Denzel couldn't come to set, they go, now we're bringing in you guys. Wow. And then it was, and it was a back and forth thing like that for a while. It's another movie. I was only supposed to work on it one week because the first they had it scheduled from Monday to Friday. But because of what happened with Denzel, what was going on at the time, they had, they shot it for seven weeks. We did six Mondays and a Tuesday and finished out. Damn. So to make the pressure more pressure, you, it was just on top of it. It was, it was, it was, yeah, it was, it was one hell of a ride. I'll tell you that. Wow. But so to check. come back, to come back to where you left off. Yeah. yeah and during that scene, you know, I'm keeping 100. Mm. I, at that time, I was smoking weed. I was drinking. I, I was, I was a little high, because I wanted to put myself in that zone. Yeah. So not too many people know that, but yeah, I was high during that scene. Hell yeah. You were smoking on set. Yeah, I was smoking on set in the trailer. Hell yeah. That's yeah, yeah. Up. I was smoking on set on Brighton. I was trying to be low key behind the shit, like you know. Yeah, because sometimes it keeps you. You know what I mean? It just keeps yeah. you leveled. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? In a in a weird in a weird way. But yeah. What's what's one of the craziest things that you've ever seen on set? Like that just blew your mind? Because I got one that I want to share. And I, I, you share were there actually. First. Share yours first okay. because then it might hit. The night might, that you popped up. The night that might, you were there. Then it might hit me. The night that you were I'm there. I'm bright. I'm bright. Oh, what happened? Okay, remember? I remember met, you guys had the shootout scene in the street. Yeah. And I remember. That. Okay. So while we're doing the shootout scene in the street, I don't know if you remember the scene where, where they brought out the, the SUV and they had like the dude on the top and the whole stunt car and they were crashing the, sh- the car in between the stuntman. I didn't see all okay, that. Okay, well, well, where I met you, you were standing right there. I don't know if you remember. There was like fences with like greenery. Like, like green, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I remember. You can't yeah, because we were on a hill. Yeah, it was a yeah, hill. I remember. I met you at the bottom of the hill. Yeah, and, Okay, so that whole green fence... The whole night, nothing was no action. It's quiet. It's motherfucker. The whole shit, right? We're on set, shooting nonstop hours. Well, that the stunt car, something happened where one of the stuntmen got their their leg crushed. So everyone starts screaming, "Hey, injury!" Blah blah blah, homie. <laughs> well, we were standing right there where those fences were. All of them fucking collapsed and like. 20 fucking ambulance uh, sheriffs everything started running towards them I was like what the fuck just happened uh, where the fuck did all these people come right, from right, right. there was a whole ass emergency crew right there just ready to go behind those fences oh, so while wow. we were right there talking I was chopping up yeah, with you yeah, and yeah. I was fucking kicking and smoking there was a whole ass police department fire department right, <laughs> right behind, behind us. us like right behind our shoulders dog. <laughs> and we're and I couldn't believe that I was like everybody was looking at this fun. shit and I was just looking at the fences on the floor like right. what the fuck just happened you they know, just that came shit. out like straight up ninjas I never seen no shit like that right, right. that shit blew my mind that's amazing Navy Steel tactics right Navy there. Navy Steel shit. That shit. Oh wow. Mind. That shit was crazy. Yeah, I. You know. Yeah. Now hearing your story, <laughs> you know, man. I honestly, I honestly don't got none, man. Where, where something crazy like that happened. Yeah. You know, where people got hurt or injured. Yeah. It, it happened in movies that I was in, mm-hmm. but I wasn't there that day. I see. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. But yeah, as far as like nothing really, man. To keep it 100, man. Nothing, man. Like. Yeah, I don't. Did you have an easy time getting I, into Canada I, shooting? I got, I got nothing for you. On that <laughs> I one. got you. Oh no, no, going in. Oh man, don't get me started. On yeah, the I want to know because we're in the same I'm movie, El Chicano. Yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a, I'm gonna give you a Canada story, and I'll give you mine. No, nah, they, they left me at the border for like five hours. I had six. Uh, yeah, they left me there for like five hours, checking me, saying you can't come in, and I got a crazy one that was crazy. So I got pulled over on a DUI. Okay, in but Canada. I, 
No, no, no. Okay. And, and right here, right here in LA. <coughs> okay. But the thing was, I didn't get convicted on the DUI. All right. I got arrested for it. And this is crazy, right? Mm-hmm. I never in my life got pulled over for drunk drive in my life. I was talking to my lawyer on some other crime, some other BS that I did, like whatever, like two weeks ago, right? Just in casual conversation. I was like, cause you know, we had a good relationship. You know, he was lawyering me up for a couple of them, right? Just a casual conversation. I go, what if I ever get pulled over for a DUI? First time ever bringing it up, talking about it, wanting to know what's up, just a casual conversation. He told me everything. Two weeks later, I get pulled over for a DUI my first time in my life. Wow. Straight up jinxed myself, right? But my lawyer told me everything that I can do when I get pulled over. So when I got pulled over, just to fast forward, mm-hmm. I didn't let them do the um, the, breathalyzer. The, the breathalyzer. Yeah. I took it to the jail and I tried to kill as many hours as I can and wait for the shot, the blood test, the blood test right. whatever. So when it came back, I was sober. I beat it, right? So I go to Canada. And, and, and the only reason why I told that story was to tell my Canada story. So I go to Canada and you know they look at my stuff, whatever, whatever. But they brought up the drunk driving thing, Damn. which which blew my mind with everything else on the record, right? So I'm sitting there and they go, so in Canada, even though it shows you were pulled over for drunk driving, even though it shows that you beat the case and you were found innocent in Canada, just for getting pulled over, you're still guilty. Damn. And that's a serious crime out here. And they go, because of that, along with some other things, you know, we don't know if we can let you in. Yeah. And I did that song and dance for a while, right? The only way I got in is I think someone from El Chicano, because when I got to the car, they knew someone and they called someone. And what they told the Canada Border Patrol was, if you don't let this guy in, you are taking a hundred Canadian jobs from Canada local workers, and you're gonna put them out of unemployment or out of employment. So they let me in, you know. But this is the part that I thought was funny, bro. So after all that song and dance, they let me in. They were asking for pictures, bro. They were telling me, "Can we get pictures with you? Can we get?" That's I felt crazy. like telling them, you Fuck know. I, yeah, I felt like telling them whatever. Yeah. But you know, I didn't want to say that because they could have threw my ass right yeah. back in. So of course I took the pictures. But in my head, I was thinking, "You just put me through all that, and now you gonna let me through? And now you all go come and ask for pictures? Are you crazy. serious? That's the world we live I, in." I thought it was funny, man. But that's my Canada story. I went through the same shit. I got there and uh, they actually. Probably because you you went there a week before me. Because when I when I got there, I stayed there for a month filming. <clears throat> and when I got there, they said you had just dipped out. They were like that that they told you I was coming, so you you got the fuck out of there. Nah, but for real, that's what I just <laughs> say, bro. Chill they, with you, yeah, you had to dip, right? And uh, I had showed up, and that <sighs> they must have off that experience. I had a, a little note tied to the back of my passport and it was like folded and they still had me there for six, seven hours. They were like tripping on me and they said the same shit on my note. It even said like, please let this list uh, actor into your, your, you know, country because we're employing all these people and they even put the, the amount of budget for the movie and the whole shit. They were sweating me, bro. I know. That's basically what happened with me. They yeah. just, you know, they, it was either let one guy in so mm. 100 Canadians could work yeah. or don't let him in and they're all... Unemployed. Everybody's fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. Was that your first and time that, to Canada? No, that was my second. Hell yeah. Yeah, I did another joint 
and went through the same thing. In the same but, city? No, no. I, I don't know if it was the same city or I not because I've been in three parts of Canada. Got it. So I forget. And I haven't been to Canada for a minute. That was back. We did El Chicano win? I think it was 2018. Damn. No, so it was a, it's been a minute. Yeah, it's been a minute. Yeah. And I and I remember you were coming to sit. I was only there for a week. Yeah. Yeah. They only they had kept me. me like for a, a month there. Oh, I did yeah. the soundtrack. I did everything. Oh, that's what's yeah, up. I had that's, the anchor. No, I know. I know. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know. Yeah, it was pretty fun. That's what's up. Yeah, they used you, man, on that one. That's yeah, hella good. That was hella cool. Ben Bray, another shout out to homie. Hey, Shout out to Ben Bray. High people. up in the game, bro. And, Hell you know, yeah. he remembers people and brings people back and yeah. shows love. Yeah. And, and and on some organic shit, like, not really uh, forced. We just, I flew we just back with up. Ben Bray. Oh, is that right? Yeah, bro. I, was, I met up with him at the airport. And we both flew uh, back together. So we had a long... But I knew him before that. that ben right? Bray used to stunt double he me back stunt, in the early he days. He person, yeah. Yeah, he used to stunt double me. That's dope. It was, and I hooked him up with a lot of jobs because he was the only Cholo stunt double looking guy. Oh, I see. So I used to, I used to have them because I used to have stuff people come to me all the time yeah and they had a hard time doubling me because you know just my look and there wasn't too many people with that look that early in the game other than the so, next friday cut yeah so he, yeah right <laughs> so he'd be like you know hey who usually stunt doubles you yeah and i'd be like ben bray so i did i got like in the early day like i got ben bray like a lot of jobs yeah. and then he returned the favor and hooked me up now now he's in a power play that's dope as fuck yeah bro it's so. crazy like you said in the very beginning you just never know who who you might you meet. never you got to remember man when you're working on any set the the person who's doing craft service might be the you know cousin or the daughter or the brother of the oh, producer shit. and and you know how it is like you doing the podcast and you got, you know, the son and wife helping you or whatever. Mm. You don't know who's using their family, you know, and it could be like you say one thing wrong to them. It gets to Fuck daddy. Everything up. You're, you're done. That's funny uh, you say that. I've I, been in experiences just uh, like that. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I and, and I don't do it for that reason. I do it yeah. just because I do it already. I just got to treat everybody with love and respect, man. That's a beautiful thing. You have to because, like I said, you always pass the same people on the way up, on the way down. And a lot of people tend to not see that when they get really big-headed and they think that they made it in life and that they're not, never going to have to ask those favors across those bridges again. Right. And it's funny to see because I've seen it many times in my career where they have to go back and it's like, damn, he just fell on his face, you know? Yeah. And nobody finds joy in that, but but it's, it's, it's humbling moments that you... They say uh, a wise man learns off of other people's mistakes. So I've always taken those little key moments and be like, okay, let's never do that. Let's never do this. And let's yeah. never do that. Treat people better like this. Treat people better like that. You What's know? good about this podcast right here, man, is you too, like by interviewing, you know, whoever, 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 like you could just soak and soak and soak knowledge. You know what I'm I saying? Am, and I, and I, yeah. And that's, that makes you a beast at the end of the day. I feel it. You know, well, it's funny you say that because I'm, as you're speaking, you're dropping gems. The, every homie that's been here has been dropping gems in some way. And I feel like when we, when we come and we represent ourselves on a podcast, we're going to bring our A game. We want to bring our, our highest intellect, our highest uh, level. Of, of conversation we want to have something to present nobody wants to represent themselves in a stupid way right so I, I feel like everybody has definitely been been bringing something and I hope that I'm uh, also lending a little bit of something as people come you know so far we've been squashing I didn't learn nothing from you bro nah, nah, you know, I'm just playing just, nah, just I'm playing that nah. it might be a little ruthless I'm playing I'm playing I'm playing nah it's a lovely thing nah I got love for you man nah. mad love for you and dog. likewise and I appreciate I appreciate homie on some real shit when I hit you up for my lies on lies video on like that homie like no questions asked you were like when, where, let's pull up. And when we were working, like you said, I pulled up by myself, no crew. I shot the whole video by myself. You weren't very, very easy to work with, homie. You didn't have no, like, other than, like, hurry the fuck up, I gotta be out of here in 30 minutes. You were very cool, <laughs> man. 
You're a cool ass dude. You gotta bro. throw that. <laughs> <laughs> I tried, bro. I tried, dog. Yeah, yeah. I just bottom line is, bro. I just I love people. You know what I mean. I even love the ones that are hard to hard to love sometimes. Yeah. But it it just sucks and it's unfortunate because a lot of people in this business I've seen it. Their head blows up. Mm-hmm. They get big headed. They become someone who they're not. You know, it's sometimes when they get money, true colors come out. And, you know, all these different things. And I've seen a lot of that stuff. Yeah. And it's unfortunate because sometimes I feel like, man, like I lost a genuine friend. Yeah. I lost a genuine friend because his head got too big. That sucks. And that's one thing that I've learned to do in this business, man, is never let Hollywood get the best of your heart. You know what I'm saying? Always remember where you came from, what you were struggling with, et cetera, et cetera. And that's what I remember, bro. And that's why, you know, Hollywood didn't change nothing. And it's not my platform. Yeah. You know, this platform has been given to me. To give God a platform. It's beautiful. You know what I'm saying? And that's how I look at it, bro. It's his platform. It's not my platform. Yeah. And what they say is there's an old saying that I've heard before in my life. It says that money don't make a man. It amass them. You get to see oh, a, yeah. a true man's intentions and, and purpose in life when they get a little bit of money. You see where their heart's really at. And right. I've seen that a lot in my life, too. I've seen people get money and get in good positions and give back. And I've seen people just come become total assholes you know? yeah yeah so so and, I, it, and it sucks it's unfortunate because that's what i'm saying you feel like you genuinely lost someone who you really did love at the starting but then it's like damn man now you are who you are it's like now you're wondering why you know i ain't calling you more chilling no more because you you off the charts yeah for sure 100 percent. so um m- moving on to to different things what was the moment where where when you start working with uh the cast and crew of do we need to take a pause yeah, let's take a quick break. Yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah, for sure. I just need to make sure that that camera's no on. No worries. Whenever there's issues, just let us know. Okay, we're good. Because we can cut. Yeah, we'll definitely cut. That's cool. That's Check, cool. Just make sure the the. It's a good conversation. The it's wire. Perfect, dog. It's we're killing it. No, it's, it's no, it's all up. It's all up. It's good? uh. It's plugged in. She went to the bathroom. Oh, you gotta you gotta right. check it sometimes. Unplug it and plug it back in. For whatever reason, it, it cut off. Let me, let me do it again. But the batteries, it's good though, right? There's bat, there's power. Everything else was cool. It's just, um, we just lost power to that one. There you go. It's yeah, that's love, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Oh, We're always, good. dog. Always. We're good. We're looking good. Everything's looking straight. Yeah, we just we had lost your uh, your camera, but we're good. Oh now. no worries. All right, thank you for letting me know. I and don't then, know if you wanted to post anything now or, or you wait for that. Uh, it's whatever you want to do. Oh, I'm down. Okay, We're gonna take I, pictures. I, We're gonna do all that shit. I got you, but I just didn't know thank if you uh, if you do early posts. Oh, I got you. I'm saying, or wait till it comes out. No, it's all good. Whatever you feel comfortable with, we we probably will post it. So we back, ready to keep going? Yeah, um, yeah, we're good. It's it's all good. Yeah, we just keep the angles that we don't. Okay, so yeah, uh, we're still recording everything straight. You don't have to pause nothing, nothing, right? No, we're good. All right, cool. So yeah, that was a a beautiful moment to to see. Shit, what were we talking about last? I completely forgot. My brain went blank right now. We were talking about um. We were talking about oh, about uh, people with money and how they change oh, that's in the right. game. And- yeah, so they say uh, 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 money unmasks a man, not really makes them. So uh, it's unfortunate to see some people do that, but then it's a beautiful thing to see people give back. Like right now, you're giving back a lot of knowledge, a lot of knowledge and not a lot of people in your position are, are willing to give that. And that's something that the youth and the, the culture needs. We need leaders like you that are willing to say, hey, this is my story. This is my testimony. Uh, this is how you do it, little homies. This is how you don't do it. And the person that you need to rely on is God. And I think that's amazing that you're using your platform and your following and your influence for that that positive thing. No, it's love, man. You know, it's funny, too, because 
I know I saw you on an interview where we were talking about helping people and stuff like that, right? So I had my fair share as well, and I even posted it on my Instagram a while back because that one hit me hard, you know, because I've been at the game early on. Mm -hmm. And we had a we had a company, you know, we were taking people out of uh, jail and prison and we were putting them in movies, et cetera, et cetera, right? And what sucked was uh, one thing I learned in helping people there's different ways to help, first of all, and that's a later story. I'll get to that in a minute. But what ended up happening was this was at the time that I didn't have my whole body wet. I just had my feet wet a little bit. And I was able to have a little bit of pull here and there and do, you know, this and that for whoever. Right. Mm. But what happened was I was helping people and I was putting my blood, sweat and tears into people. And I was getting backstabbed and two faced. Wow. There was some people when. They found out that it was harder to make it in the business than what they thought it was. After I put my blood, sweat, and tears into people, they would quit like after a year or two years and be like, I'm gonna go work with my dad over here. I'm gonna go do this over here. And I was like, whoa, 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 like, hold up. We've been working this for one year, two years. What do you mean you're just gonna cold turkey quit? Like, what's up? So the reason why I said that is because fast forward, it taught me something. Now if someone wants help, I charge them for my help mm -hmm. because I don't care if they two-face me or backstab me or quit on me, I got paid for my time. That's beautiful. And that's why I let people know, man, there's a way of helping people. Now, if you know someone, you know, if you, and, and like I, like with my daughter, you know, just to give a quick example, shout out to my daughter today too. It's her birthday. Happy birthday. Happy yeah. birthday. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. <laughs> shout out to my, real quick. See Noel, I love you. Shout out. <laughs> so I named her after me. That's beautiful. So my first one had to be after me. But um, long story short, I was just saying is, you know, if you know someone and genuinely know them, there's two ways to help people. If they get that special time with you because you genuinely know them and you take your time to help them, then hallelujah and amen. That person got your help. The other way to help is where you could just share a bunch of knowledge like we share it now. And whoever runs with it, runs with it. And whoever doesn't, doesn't. Straight and up. you just said it. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. So it was just funny because in helping people, man, it just it just taught me. There was something I was trying to hit and I forgot. But um, but yeah, that's my, that's my helping people story is that. Uh, oh, before you help anybody, I always tell people do a heart check and a personality check first before you help anybody. And that's, that's how I say it. Now, is there some people in life that you feel like you could you could read that you should be able to help? And then there's some people that you know in your heart that you helped that you might have should have not helped? Because I, I'm, I'm, I'm just speaking about it because I know the entertainment your company you're speaking of. And it was publicized. I'm not going to speak on it because yeah. maybe you didn't want to say it, right? But that was a story of being in the game. We're all in the same culture, all, all doing this, right? Under the same umbrella. I know exactly every single person you're talking about. And I experienced the same thing dealing with certain artists and people that might not necessarily have the right place in their heart or, or in their mind, but you still help them because you want to attain a bigger goal that you maybe selfishly be trying to get to. Have you ever had that experience? Nah, because when I was helping people at the time, I was already, quote unquote, at the top. If anyone needed the help, it was from me. I didn't see the help needed from them in order to progress what I was doing. I see. So the people that were, you know, bigger than me per se, I needed them, but I never came to them yet until I, I had a script or something of that nature. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So when I was when I was helping people, it was funny though, because that company, just so you know, broke up because we had too many chiefs in the hen house. Mm -hmm. And we let everybody have a say so. And you can't have too many chiefs in the hen house and you can't have everybody have input 
or whatever. There was people that would sell us on a good story. People were showing up to set, you know, banging on each other. Some would bring weapons to set. And we're like, what the hell are you doing? Like, you just told us you want to turn your life around, whatever, whatever. We just gave you a real opportunity to do that. And you could come up. to set acting a fool. And now you crying and wondering why we ain't messing with you no more. And you saying we fake, not you fake. Because you gave us the story and we genuinely helped you and you ruined it. You know what I mean? And so I just thought it was funny on the helping each other situation because... When I was at the time, you know, doing what I could do, that's what I'm saying, what it taught me. So the way that you were talking about being able to discern, I wasn't able to at the time. Mm. I wasn't able to tell who was fake and who was real at the time. Who helped me do that was knowing God's word. Because when people say things that are not in alignment with God's word, it shows me where their heart is at. Hell yeah. And, and that's, that's why... And that's why, that's why I had a better understanding later. But we live and learn, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't know then when I was younger, because I was just doing it with a good heart. And I always tell people, there's nothing wrong with having a good heart, but you got to know how to protect that heart at the same time. So that's why fast forwarding, once I knew God's word, and even the Bible says that, when you know God's word, God gives you discernment. And you're able to more so read people a little bit, because you know where they're at. But the only way that you know where they're at and what they're saying and what they do is by, again, knowing God's word and seeing their lifestyle. Straight up. When you see a lifestyle of someone, you know who to question and not question. And then you could you could feel it in your spirit. And when the only you, way you get close to somebody, you can almost feel it. It's like an energy or like an aura that they give off that's not necessarily well, in the same alignment with yours. Sometimes they'll do something that's a glitch and you'll catch it. Exactly. And you'll be like, oh, wait a sec. Now there's something funny about and this that's, fool. That's the, question I, that's the question maybe I should have asked earlier if like you read into that earlier because... I, I I I also didn't need nobody. Everybody I've helped have been way, way in a position where they needed definitely needed my help. But I still have seen like maybe I shouldn't have. Maybe I shouldn't have done this for the sake of the label. Uh, I was trying to push the label or whatever. And that's that's my what, what my experience was. So you might have not experienced that, but I definitely experienced it. And it's not it's not it's not that we didn't need nobody because it's always someone that advances you. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But I mean I get I get how you're saying it and the way yeah. you're saying it. But all I'm saying is, at the time when I was younger, I didn't know any better in who I was helping because I was so trusting. If everybody came and they were like, yo, man, like, you in the game and they're giving me props. Yeah. And they're like, man, you know, I want to do what you're doing and I want to turn my life around and, I, you know, I don't want to go back to jail, this, that, and the other. I'm like, damn, here's another real... Because, you know, back in the early days, it was funny. You vibe with someone for about five, ten minutes and you laughing and cracking some jokes and you're like, man, we got to do some business together. Sure. And you don't even know the cat. Yeah. So that's why one thing that I've learned fast forwarding is I don't help anybody until I'm in a personal relationship with them. Hell yeah. And I've done a heart check and a personality check on them first. And I know their agenda. I know their purpose. I know what it is they're trying to get done, how they're getting it done, what they're doing to get it done. And when I see things like that, where I genuinely know the person, then I'm like, you know what? Now I can help you because you're a real one. You know what I'm saying? But until we get to that level, it, it just... It just ain't gonna, that's why I always give advice too. Like, you know, a good way to get to know someone before you do business with anybody is just go out with them. Go out with them, go bowling, go go to Knott's Berry Farm, go to Universal Studios, go do something fun, and don't talk about no business at all. Mm. Leave business out of it. Mm -hmm. Just hang out and chill and see if you even like that dude. Yeah. Because even when you're chilling with that person like that, you're going to find out some things that day where you're going to be like, oh, damn, you don't think straight. Mm -hmm. And when they don't think straight, like, let me tell you one thing I learned, and I, I never forget this one. Mm -hmm. 
and again, this is a no judgment situation. Like, I'm, I'm just again, I'm just sharing my experiences, right? Yeah. But things that just hit me at home, right? Mm. So this this guy's a billionaire, like I said, coach. He packages just so you know, cornflakes, string cheese, Energizer batteries, Pringles. That's how he makes his money. He's a billionaire. He says people come up to me from with money all the time. Come hit me up left and right. He's like a Shark Tank dude. Okay. They come up to him left and right. I got this idea. I got that idea. I got everything, right? Yeah. And I'm just telling you what he tells me. So don't shoot the messenger. Yeah. This comes with no judgment. Don't shoot the messenger. I'm saying what he tells me. He goes, people come up to me left and right. And you know what, Noel? He goes, some of these people have the best ideas in the world. The best ideas in the world that I know for a fact can, yes, make millions of dollars. But he goes, you know why I don't mess with some of those people? Is because I look at their lifestyle. And if they have a destructive lifestyle, why would I take my my risk of investing money into that person with that type of lifestyle and now all my money goes down the drain because this person had a destructive lifestyle that ruined the business, the product, the brand of the company that I was putting it. Do you know what I'm saying? Nah, hell so nah. he's like, I look at the lifestyle before I invest in anybody. Hell yeah. So I, I just thought that was very powerful, you know, like, and that's what it taught me, man. Like I look at people's lifestyles before I help anybody. So that, and, they, and how are you going to know their lifestyle? Hell yeah. The only way you're really going to know their lifestyle is by what? By personally knowing them. That's a beautiful thing. You know, and that could come from a, a level that knowledge don't have to just come from billionaires. Because I have, I have a situation where I'm going to relate to you where I had that happen just in the last few months with an artist. And one of my homies looked out and was, was in the middle of the situation and looked out and that was the same conversation he had with him. So I have an artist and a friend of mine, Big Tim. Shout out to Big Tim right now on the cruise. <sighs> Big pimping in Ensenada right now. But yeah, uh, the homie Big Tim's. So we had an artist. I'm not going to put their name on blast because, you know, they're, they're a young homie trying to struggle. They're still struggling. And this is no shade to them. This is all love. And if they hear it, we could have this conversation because it's real. You know what I'm saying? Uh, they wanted to work with me. They wanted to be signed to my label. They were in the street life heavy. They were doing a lot of things that, you know, that we all face as a kid. That, that, as you, that as can you put them in risk. Being. Exactly. Right. So I was talking to the gentleman and he was making it seem like he was out of that and he was just focused on his music. The homie Tense pulls him to the side and is like, look, homie, criminals really doing this thing out here, investing, putting money, time into these artists, doing this thing. I'm not going to let the homie invest into you knowing that you're fucking up like this. So Tense pulled me to the side and said, hey, I had this conversation with him. I'm protecting your time, the, the studio's time. When this fool gets his shit a little bit together, let's go. And I was disappointed because I thought the dude had the look, the sound, the, the, the confidence, the image. There's a lot of things that goes into he was on point. Artist. He was on point. He got caught a week later. And now he's doing like a, a facing a life sentence. So and unfortunately... Sometimes that that could be that doesn't have to just come from a billionaire's mentality. That could come from a person that's not even educated from a street level, and, and still have the same knowledge. Just because it's a universal uh, 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 knowledge, you know what I'm saying? The the earth will bless people and chosen people to to have that discernment, so to say. You know what I'm right. saying? No, yeah. no, and 100, percent I agree with you. I know. I was uh -huh. just saying where I learned it from. No, no, it's that's a beautiful thing, saying, you know? and, and 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 that's why because it, these it conversations. filters down throughout, however, no, wherever, for you know sure. I mean? and, and there's nothing wrong with the way you explained it. Yeah. I'm just explaining how I relate to it and how we relate to it from a street level because I speak to billionaires too. I know billionaires from from different people in the industry just like you, from the music industry, the labels, to 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 the acting world, right? But this was information that I got that's exactly the information you got from a cat that's in and out of prison in his life, faced struggles, and now it's changing his life and now becoming a successful artist. So I think it's amazing how knowledge is universal. 
Yeah, and yeah. I, amen to that, man. And I love that because that's so true. You know, it's like, and 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 what does life do? You know, it teaches you wisdom as you go on the journey. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying? And you know, there, I always tell people too. It's funny, like. You ain't a real G until you've been through some stuff to know what real G stuff is. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And some people, you know, you just put them like, like you automatically know, but they don't know yet because they haven't been there. Straight up. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like the best way example I could give it is like, if you grew up in a rich family yeah. and you were spoiled, that's not your fault. You got lucky. Amen. Hallelujah. You grew up in a rich family. You're spoiled. Just don't act spoiled. Yeah, for sure. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. And so that's how I tell people, man, we just get it filtered down through different avenues. But, you know, we all learn the way that we learn. And when we learn it, we just express it how it was taught to us and from where. Hell yeah. And and it's okay to be real with yourself. There's a lot of people out there that don't want to be real with themselves and they have to put on a persona and like a lot of people put on a mask. And unfortunately, that's the way of the world. But you get a lot further in life. When you take off that 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 cape or that mask that you try to cover up and just be yourself. You I, I tell people two things, man, straight up. I say, you're going to hate me for two reasons. You're going to hate me because I was too truthful with you and you couldn't handle it. Or you just came up with your own story on why you hate me. Because I'll always be upfront in who I am. You know oh, yeah. what I'm saying? And, and that's why it was funny. When you were talking about the Antichrist earlier, Yeah, that's some real talk. Because the Antichrist is not going to come out as a bad guy. Uh-uh. He's going to be Handsome. so good. He's going to say everything perfectly, perfectly to a T and people are going to be wowed and amazed by him. But he's the most evilest guy in the world. And that's why, you know, I would rather have someone come up and say, hey, look, man, I'm not perfect. I do A, B and C. At least you know what you're getting. And then you can be like, man, this guy was up front with me. He told me who he is for real. Now I'm going to decide whether I like you or not. That's some real shit right there. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. For telling me who you really are. Now speak on speaking on that. Do you believe that the Antichrist might be here now? Or do you believe that it's going to come later? Do you think that you don't have that knowledge? Like, just what is your feeling? You know what I'm saying? Well, the Bible says that Jesus is going to come like a thief at the night. Mm -hmm. We never know when he's coming. So if any government or political person or some top dog or celebrity or whoever you want to say, the most famous person says, Jesus is coming in 2024, October 15th at 12. Like, that's a lie lie from the devil because the Bible says... Jesus is going to come like a thief at the night. So we never know when he's coming. But reading the Bible, we're definitely in the signs of the times right now. Absolutely. And so my guess, my guess would be that he is alive today. But that's just a guess. I have no knowledge of that. I don't know. I could be 1,000 million percent wrong. But because we are in the signs of the times today, I would believe that he is alive today as we speak. He just hasn't revealed himself yet. And, you know, it's kind of funny because... Did you, I, I learned something too, and we know this from real life, and just you know to put it out there on a public level. Did you ever see Cocaine Cowboys? I have not. Oh man, you gotta you gotta watch Cocaine Cowboys. That's, that's that a Miami docu- shit, right? That's a documentary. That's gonna put your. It's, I promise you, bro, you won't regret watching that documentary. I'm please, it. I'm gonna watch it this week. Please watch Cocaine Cowboys right. if you and you'll love it, bro. It's All right. it's. But anyways, my point in Cocaine Cowboys, there's a white guy that it starts with, and he explains a story of how he got into the cocaine game, right? And he goes, something when he was doing the document, just to give away this one part for you because of this conversation. He says, people could think that Pablo Escobar was the man. They could think that he was the power player, that he was the top dog, but he never was. It was a guy named Mr. Ochoa. Okay. The real top dog was the guy that you never heard about. Wow. So my, my, my point is the one that didn't put himself on front street, even an American gangster, Denzel Washington, you know, he told his cousin, 
you know, why are you wearing that suit? It's too loud. You're making too much noise. And the guy making the most noise is the weakest guy. Yeah. You know, so really the power players are the ones. So my point that I'm saying is I believe, but again, I got no proof of this. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, this is just a guess. I could be 1,000 million percent wrong. But I would say I believe that he is alive today. He just hasn't revealed himself yet because we are in the signs of the times. The cashless society, all the stuff that's coming out and happening, it's it's going to get ugly, bro. Barcodes for everything. The barcodes for you everything. You can't even go to a restaurant without having to scan a barcode down. And, you know, this is where the manipulation comes in. And this is what people don't know. Right now, you know, if you heard about China and Russia, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're trying to diminish the dollar bill in the U.S. Yeah, they're to, clicking up. To destroy our economy and Hell stuff. Yeah. And the Bible talks about in Revelations too. I don't know if you knew this one. And I don't know exactly how it goes or what, but this is in the Bible. You can read it for yourself and look it up. The Bible itself talks about how one of the most powerful states will become a third world country. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't say which, you know what I mean? But I'm just saying we're kind of the police of the whole world. Yeah. And, you know, I believe that we're headed in that direction. You know, if they could wipe out middle class and they got, you know, uh, just poor and rich and that's it. And right now, all the businesses that are shutting down, people can't survive a cashless society. People aren't going to be able to do side jobs to try to make it in life anymore. It's it's going to be it's it's going to be crazy and wild out there. It's going to people are going to rob you for a cheeseburger, not for money. You know what I'm Straight saying? Up. It's Straight it's up. coming that way. But the manipulation part, I was just going to say this. This is what people don't understand. They put a chip in you, right? That works as a credit card. Mm-hmm. So these are the good things that they say. They say, well, we have no more cash in the world. We can avoid money laundering. You can avoid people trying to rob you and take actual cash off of you and be able to go spend it. So this is going to help a lot of crime stop and all these different things. So they're going to make you think it's for the good, right? But what they don't tell you, they say, if you got a chip in you and your kid gets kidnapped, we can find your kid right away because we know where he's able to to be found or whatever, like all that, right? Yeah. But here's what they don't tell you. If you don't comply with the government and you don't do what the government tells you to do, they just turn the chip off and now you can't go buy a cheeseburger. Shut your ass you can't up. go buy groceries. And what does that do? That makes you a slave of the system. You're a slave like well, it puts you under control. So it's that that's where it's going. And the Bible talks about the mark of the beast, you know, the forehead or the wrist. So I, I think, but this is how I live, man. I live off of this. When Jesus was a traveler, he was going from city to city to city. Nomad. Sharing the, uh, sharing the word of God and just going around. But one of the disciples asked him, said, Jesus, if we're going around city to city, to city how are we going to eat? Where are we going to sleep? And Jesus' answer was, are you foolish enough not to know that if God takes care of the birds in the air, he's going to take care that much more of you? Meaning that, if God's going to take care of a bird in the air, don't worry about it. You're going to be taken care of. You're covered. Yeah. We're, you're going to have food and you're going to have shelter. Don't worry about it. So the way that I live, I don't care, man, if I lose my career in acting. I don't care about any of that stuff because I know God's going to take care of me more than a bird in the air. Wow. And that's why I'm going to be a soldier for God. And that's why my pastor said right now that's real crazy. He said, in these days that are happening right now, you're truly going to find out we're the saints from the eights. Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. And so that's what I tell you, bro. Like, at the end of the day, you're going to be forced into a corner where you're going to have to make a decision. God 
are the world, which is the devil. And you're going to have to make that choice. And that's what we're being backed up into. And you already know if you, if you, if you are really living a life for God, honestly, and in integrity, the way that you're supposed to be living a life for God, you're not going to be the most popular person. Never. At all. You know, it's funny when, when you speak about God now on YouTube, I saw a thing the other day that they're literally shadow banning accounts. So if you have anything named God in your stuff, anything that's named God, they are purposely, the algorithm is showing less people. It's, a, it's a proven thing. There's pastors online, everything that are talking about it. That's because they want to shut down the word of God. They want to avoid personal relationships where people are hearing the word of God. So that's why you have to know God so good yourself also, because it also talks about there will be false prophets. There will be people who will rise to God and they'll talk about God, but they're false leaders, they're false teachers, all that stuff. And if you don't know the truth of God, you can be deceived and manipulated, believing that that's real what you're hearing, Quick. which is not the word of God at all. And the devil's cool with that. Because all the devil wants to do is one thing. Remember that the devil can bless as well. He'll bless you with things of the world to keep your relationship from God. Wow. Damn, you learned a lot. To take your attention away. You learned a lot. Did you learn a lot of this when you were, when you were, before you went to the world and acting like you described after? I learned a lot then. But in 2008, when I said, God, I'm not playing with you no more. I'm going to be real about you. I was reading the Bible every day. I was going to Bible study every day. I was going to church every day. I consumed myself in the word of God. Wow. So, you know, you got to learn how to be a guided missile. It's more powerful when someone comes up to you and says, I don't, I don't get what's up with you in your life, man. Like, what do you mean you don't want to do this no more or go do that no more the way we were doing it before? Mm-hmm. Like, what's up for real with you? Like, what's going on with you? You're like, you really want to know? And then you share the word of God. So when I first got saved... You know, I ain't, ain't going to lie to you. When I first got saved, I was an unguided missile. Mm. I was like, dude, I just got God. Like, you got to get God and you got to go to heaven and get yourself saved. But it was going, I was doing the right thing the wrong way because I didn't know how to approach it yet. So what made it better is when you're a guided missile. So when you first get saved, you know when someone gets saved because when they really have that encounter with God, their own blueprint with God, about God, with God, for God, what ends up happening is it's a true moment to you. And you can't explain that to anybody else because you had it yourself in you with them. You get it? Hell yeah. So the point that I'm saying, long story short, is when I first got saved, I had that moment with God. And I wanted to get everybody saved. But I couldn't do it because I was an untamed, unguided missile that didn't know how to share the word of God yet. So as I started learning the word of God, I started learning how to share and when to share and when not to share. And, th- and that's what makes you more effective than an unguided missile. I see. A missile with a target is always going to have a harder impact than an unguided missile that's just shot anywhere. That's a good point. Shit, taking it back to the to the acting stuff. Obviously, uh, you're a part of a huge, huge franchise. What When you <clears throat> went from the training day, you obviously that was life-changing. And the moment that you got into the franchise of Fast and Furious... How did that change your life? Because that's a whole different culture. Now you're hitting a whole different culture, a whole different car game. Those people are so passionate about the stuff. I mean, you got to have the engines right. You got to have the, the the talk right. I mean, that's a whole different world. Was that something that you already were experienced or did you learn that after you got in the film? Um, it really did it, man. Because, you know, when you do a film, you're there. I, it's funny, man. I tell people like this. If I was playing a doctor, I'm really acting. 
You know what I'm saying? If I was playing like another role like that, like a, a airplane pilot, I'm really acting, you know? Yeah. I've been very blessed because a lot of the stuff I do has been me in real life. Okay. So, you know, that's what, I don't know, that's what brings it to life, I guess, you know, for the for the people who are watching and stuff like that. So when you do a movie here, there, and there, and there, I never really thought about it like that because to me, it was just me doing another movie that was about whatever, but it never mattered because I never really changed in the movie from movie to... That's where I got the running joke where I was Hector in every movie. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I never really thought about it that way. You just go to certain Comic-Cons, like you have a Star Trek Comic-Con or a Star Wars Comic-Con, and there's different Comic-Cons for different things. So sometimes I would go to Comic-Cons that were just based around Fast and the Furious. Then I'd go to Horror-Cons that were based around other movies that I did that had nothing to do with Fast and the Furious. I see. So I just never really saw it that way. I just saw it as me doing another movie. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. Now, experiences with Paul Walker. Rest in peace. Oh, man. That, 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 that sucks, bro. I, I <clears throat> Just to keep it real with you, bro, um, straight up, I'm not even a Fast and Furious fan. Because for me, it got to Jet Li meets Rambo meets Transformers. I see. It got way too out there for me. When that's they went what, to Space Force 9, yeah. Yeah, it was lame, dog. It's, it's lame. You know, I'm a Damn. fan of the check. Yeah. I am a fan of the movie, though. You hey, know you're what keeping I mean? it real. Because my son said the same shit. Yeah, I don't, I, it got too retarded, bro. So it got weird. Part one, I like part one, though, because that stuck to the... You know, the, and you know David Aver, uh, Aver wrote part one. He wrote part so, one, yeah. And, and I was like, dude, David, like, come back, G. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like... Come back, dog. We need you. But long story short, I like part one because it stuck to the authenticity of the streets and the street racing. Not everything was on point, but it was mostly the there. Birth, the birth of it. You know, it was yeah. the birth of it, right? But now, I think part 11 is cars underwater. Part 12 is cars meet dinosaurs. Part 13, I'm just playing with you, dog. Oh, but, I, was I, like, I didn't think you were playing. <laughs> I thought you were serious. Yeah. Hey, I, that real. shit sounds real. Well, well, I'm just playing. A lot but of people don't know this. It got way too out there. A lot of people don't know this, but I grew up in the Fast of the Furious. Like where I grew up. Oh, okay. That, that's where David Ayer wrote that movie, what happened. The, like the <clears> real <throat> original shit. Right, right, right. happening all in my neighborhood, all behind helicopters over my neighborhood all the time, everything. Uh, I remember like uh, all that shit. I remember the dude from Boys in the Hood got smoked right down the street from my house because he was part of the races. Uh, little Chris, it was like real publicized and news was right there everything so, oh little chris in real life yeah little chris in real life oh damn he i got, didn't know he that got killed right there uh the one who was in boys of the hood yeah, boys in the hood. oh I didn't he was out there that. in a bmw and they oh, smoked wow. him yeah they got in a shoot oh i did hear that yeah, I, that happened right outside yeah, of my neighborhood that's crazy yeah i was living right there but that fast and furious shit we were really living it so when the movie came out and i knew where that all originated from i was like damn this is my life like i literally been in so many things in life that become depicted in movies and shit it, it blows my mind but that, to see that one day I'm sitting here with, with one of the actors from it that's making it a worldwide name, whether whether no matter if you like it or not, it still uh, blow, it blows my mind. You know what I'm saying? No, it's no, it's love. Me. It's love. You know, yeah. it was it was crazy because, like I said, Fast and Furious is what started the real roller coaster mm -hmm. ride for me, and uh, you know, it is just a blessing to be a part of that franchise. That franchise, just so you know, is the most money making franchise for Universal. Wow. So Universal Studios has never done any other movie that has made more money than Fast and the Furious. So That's it's, why it's, they got a number 25 coming. In I know, right? Yeah. You ain't lying, bro. Yeah. You ain't lying. I wouldn't be surprised. They're going to make a television series out of it. That's crazy. That's coming. It's coming after this part 11. Should I watch it if David Ayer directs it? I know, right? Yeah, yeah he got to come back, man. We got to go back to the roots. Yeah, we're going to we're gonna put when that into the When they went to space world. in part nine, I was like, come on, dog. Some like, crazy shit. They really yeah. did? Yeah, they went to space yeah. in part nine. <laughs> 
I, I didn't even watch part nine, bro. I just had people send me this stuff. That's crazy. But yeah, and I was asking other people who's caught it and saw it. And I was like, are you are you serious? That's just lame, dog. I got it. It turned into space balls. I got it. So your experience on the set, what was like the most memorable moments that you had with any of the actors? Well, it was crazy because um, that movie, it was so fun to do. It was like getting paid to party. Mm-hmm. I was like, are we making a movie or what? Like, it was pretty insane back in the early days. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. everybody was on set from real car clubs, a lot of extras. Um, we were wilding out, you know, even during the movie. There was even a scene, believe it or not, that the director kept the cameras rolling and shot it as we were kicking it, thinking that we were waiting to film. Wow. And and he used that real moment because he goes, that's what the real partying was. That's dope. Yeah, so we didn't even know. And out of nowhere, he's like, all right, that's a wrap. And we're like, what? He went, what do you mean it's a wrap? We didn't even start yet. He goes, no, we got everything we need, go home. And then when we watched the movie, it was the real party in Kalan Tate. Yeah, hard. so the, the, the director did that. You know, he pulled that one on us. Uh, working with Paul Walker, hands down, most humblest, friendliest, coolest cat ever. Wow. He didn't care, like I said, if you were the craft service of the director, treated everybody the same, showed everybody a lot of love. And um, I remember when I was doing my scene with him, he was laughing his ass off because I was ad-libbing a lot on that scene, you know, like I was telling you. Yeah. And I was just throwing stuff out the hat. And he was like, man, you wild, man. He's like, you're funny, bro. And I was like, I go, I don't know. My first movie, I go, I'm just having fun. He's like, that's what you're supposed to do. He goes, just have fun and let's film and let's make a movie. I said, all right, cool. And, you know, that movie is what put, Paul Walker was already somewhat on the map before Fast, but I'm saying Paul Walker is what pretty much made uh, him and Vin Diesel. That's what put him like, yeah, Yeah. like slapped him on the map. You know what I mean? But um, yeah, to be a part of that franchise and to come back to part seven, you know what I mean? When they called me for part seven, I was like, you got the right number? Wow. I was tripping. So, And that was because of Vin Diesel, you know what I mean? So we still keep in touch. You know, I still keep light contact with him. But he was the reason why I came back to part seven. So, you know, I got to give love to the franchise for that. But the direction it went, I don't give love for that. I you know, I, I wish it would have just changed channels. So you guys heard it right here. Noel G will not be in the next Fast and Furious. And, and I admit that publicly. <laughs> I admit that publicly, man. I did a, I did a whole Instagram post on that and said, yeah. I thought, you know, Fast and Furious took another direction. Mm. And, you know, I, I admit, like, that's why I said, like, that's why just to take it back two seconds earlier, I said, you're going to hate me for two reasons. Because I'm too truthful with you and you couldn't handle it. Or you came up with your own story on why you hate me. Hey, at least you're keeping it true to yeah, what, you, I, what you are, you know? I got to, bro. I don't know any other way. That's a beautiful thing. So, I want to ask you some questions just so we could get an a idea of your personality. They're going to be like an A-B type of situation. So, you just answer this person or that person, right? Uh-huh. And, and this is how we're going to do it. So, this is like pick behind door yeah, number one. Yeah, it's like a little game show. Look, look, I'm going to even change uh, Do these. I win prizes or what? Like, nah. Wait, hold on, hold on. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. You got the sounds. Can you guys hear the sounds when he plays it? Nah, he can't hear it. No, they can't. Oh, okay. He got one, one. We got the game show cracking. Here we go. Uh, All right, no G in the hot seat. So, I want to ask you some questions. For our culture, Chavez or De La Hoya? Chavez. Okay. The little green car in Fast and the Furious or that Impala in the movie Bruce Almighty that you guys were in the scene? <laughs> the Impala. The Impala? All day. Okay. Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter? Mortal Kombat. Cortez's or Chucks? Chucks. George Lopez or Ralph Barboza? 
<laughs> you know how to put you in that <laughs> Oh man You coming hard bro You coming hard Come on Um, I caught Rap Bar Bros out On a roast on my show I'm waiting for him Yeah Yeah I'm trying to I'm trying to challenge him Anybody knows oh. his number Tell him I'm, I'm not dead ass serious about it Yeah no yeah. that's what's up That's funny bro I, I, You know I'm gonna keep it real man Um, I heard a little bit about what's. That's a tough one man Just to be honest Just to say it like that You know yeah. what I'm saying Cause Here's, here's one thing that uh, I, I kind of wanted to speak on something. Here comes the PR shit. Yeah, he has no. to make sure that both casts are happy. <laughs> no, no, like, no, 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 I didn't even that. No, I'm, I got you. I I'm got putting you. this on Front Street, bro. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm, I'm going to put it on Front Street. So when we had that company. Okay. You know what I said years ago? What's that? I said, we need a Mexican Friday. Okay. I said, we need an authentic Latino hood comedy. DJ Pooh. Just, just like Friday. But in a, like a Latino version, you know what okay. I mean? And man, I pitched it, homie. I pitched it to Latinos that were in the business who were power players and they wouldn't give it time of day. Wow. And you know, it was funny because I don't want to say no names, but I, I know who some already. of the I know who some of the whitewashed Mexicans are in the business. Damn. We're on Front Street. They act like, you know, oh, we all about Latinos. We all about Latinos. No, you're not. Because if you were all about Latinos, when you had the power back then, you would have done something back then. Wow. And you didn't do nothing. We could have been on the map a long time ago. Wow. But what changed it was social media. Now, because there's so many of us, we can't be ignored. Now it's like, oh, we're all about you guys. No, you weren't. Because I took it to some of you cats in the earlier days when I was one of the quote-unquote only thugs in Latino Hollywood or whatever. And I brought it and said, let's do a Mexican version of Friday. And you didn't give it time of day. Wow. Because you want to do, you know, whitewash movies. So that's a very touchy subject for me because I know some of the ones who speak today, like they're about it. And I was always for Latinos. No, the F you weren't. Because I knew you back then when you didn't want to give us time of day. Yeah. We were the only ones. There were a lot of Latino companies that we would think like those are the ones to go talk to. Because if anybody wants to put a Latino Friday on screen, it's these cats here. Yeah. But we were the only thugs up in there. And sometimes I felt like when they were talking to us, I felt like they were talking to us out of fear. Like, man, if we don't talk to you and do something for you, something's going to happen that's going to be bad. That's fucked up. But then it would be messed up because later it was like, well, when we try to get in touch with you and let's do this and let's do that, you wouldn't give us time of day. So, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm passionate about that one. But there is one thing, too, just to keep it 100 I'm for my Latino people all day long, man. But, and I'm not saying it like this or that. I'm for anybody who has a right heart. Because the Bible's not about color. It's about your heart. I think prejudice is being stupid because you didn't get to pick what you want to be when you were born. All I'm saying is because I was in that drama, there was certain things I was trying to get up off the ground. And I was mm-hmm. trying to start doing whatever, whatever. And this is one thing that I just got to keep it 100. And it sucks to say this. But in the early days, a lot of Latinos were doing dumb stuff that was whack. But that was in the early days because distribution was so easy to get. So the game in the early days, I don't know if you know this or not. No, I know. It was in the music too. Okay, so before, you could make a movie for $30,000, put a fancy DVD cover on it, and, and, and sell it. But here's what happened. Distributors were losing money on it. Because they started realizing, damn, no one's buying this wax stuff. And they started, because back in the days, distributors, the way they used to do it, 
I go make a movie for 30,000 and the distributor up front would give me 150,000. I just made 120,000 on a $30,000 movie. I don't care if you hated the movie or not, I got paid. So what ends up happening fast forward is the distributor started realizing, oh damn, I'm putting out all this whack content and I'm losing my money. So I'm ain't gonna do it this way no more. So now they were like, no, 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 now we got smarter in the game because we lost out on a lot of money. So a lot of the Latino stuff that was out was whack as hell and wasn't making it. So the reason why some of the power players didn't want to do all Latino content uh-huh. is because a lot of it was lame. Damn. So that's why I kept on trying to, <clears throat> at the time I was like, but you guys are making lame stuff. I was like, and I was like, again, I was only, you know, one of the few thugs in the business in the early days. I was like, I got the answer. Why don't we make a Mexican version of Friday? Let's do a Latino authentic hood comedy that will blow the game up like Friday did. And we're on the map. But nobody wanted to do it because of all the reasons I just said. Wow. And and there was, you know, it was just funny because, yeah, I'm passionate about that stuff. And some of the Latinos, I see them today, and I know them from back in the days personally. Oh, we're about the Latinos. Shut the F up. No, you weren't. Because I was with you back then when you didn't do a damn thing. And wow. you were in a power seat then to do something that did nothing. But now you want to come out and act, oh, we're all about you guys. That's why the reason why I hate Hollywood the most is because of the hypocrisy. And this is the way I say it. We're in the best, worst, best business ever. Wow. And that's why I tell people, I don't care how many podcasts you've seen someone on, how many interviews you've seen someone on, what you've seen them on YouTube, what they say. You don't know anyone or anything until you know them personally. Wow. You don't know a damn thing. You can have an idea, but you don't know anyone personally until you know them personally. Damn. No matter how many interviews, podcasts, I'm sorry, bro. I just I guess yeah. the answer is Rob Barbosa, huh? Critical. That's what I got. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, no, but that was that was very passionate, man. That was dope. Hey, to hear that, that much, that I'm gonna set the, the fade game, up. I'm gonna set the fucking fade up because I I know both parties. I'm just joking, but nah, it's a beautiful uh, thing to see. I, I, know, I, know because, one, look, I know one of the parties right now, but I don't know the other. But. I'm I'm gonna stay right here. Look. It's passionate to see someone stand on that because that's the way I feel about the way these fake-ass Chicano rappers were in the beginning of my career. I got in the game and I cleaned up. I even told my wife when I first got in it, a lot of these fools are representing us wrong. A lot of these fools are in positions to represent and they're doing it the wrong way. They're not doing it right. And then they're all big-headed. They're fucking treating people like shit, not acting classy. So we had a mission since I was young and I had a vision to clean that up. And I still feel like it's a long, long, long process, but we're still cleaning up because there's there's podcasts that don't represent the culture right now. All they want to do is talk about negativity and fights and who got beef with who. And like I try to tell people, it's easy, it's easy as fuck to destroy something. We come from a culture like we all have homeboys. We all have neighborhoods. We all have the homies in our corner. We all could destroy something. And as a matter of fact, we proved that for many years, right? But it's much harder to build something from the ground up than to destroy. And I'm in a position of my life where we're going to take the harder route. We're going to take the, the stairs instead of the elevator. Because I believe that in the end, these conversations won't be that type of passion of, of why something didn't happen. It will be why it happened. Then we'll have victory. Because this communication, this open, this open communication we're having, they will hear it. The people you're speaking of will hear it. And, and it may be take a little time but the person that is in the right position of power next 
Blacks might have it in their heart from the Noel G and the Mr. Criminal conversation to be like, you know what? I don't want to be like the people in power before me. And that's fucking powerful, homie. And we might be in a position to change our culture just off of conversations like this. Because enlightening the next generation is what they need. Because I wasn't enlightened growing up. All I was enlightened was to have a strap in my hand, dope, and go bust on my enemies. Go to jail, get out, run from the cops. It was the same shit. Who was teaching us, right? So I... I I was in the streets like you. I was homeless as a kid by choice, being on the run, all that shit. So our our stories are very similar, and then our upbringing and our uprise was similar. So I, I I commend you for everything you've been in in life and all the all the the victories and of of the struggles that you've overcame. You know, it, it didn't come overnight. It doesn't come easy, and it does take a person like that with passion and conviction that speaks from the heart and in their soul that can knock you out with words and knowledge instead of the the stupid shit. You know what I mean? So I commend you for all that. <clears throat> nah, man, thank you, bro. It means a lot, bro. Coming from you, bro, straight up. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I was an actor, uh-huh. so I was in the neutral game. Yeah, I knew all the rappers, yeah. and I would hear them all talk smack on each other, yeah. but I didn't have no beef with any of them yeah. because I was just an actor, and a lot of them were trying to be actors. Hell yeah. So I would hear this guy talks back on this guy, and this guy talks back on this guy, but you know, it was none of my business. Hell yeah. I was just like, all I did was say, oh, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh man, that sucks. You know, that's all yeah. I, to both of them because yeah. I, I, it was none of my business and I never yeah. talked, you know, so muscles do their yeah, thing. like I let them do them and, but it was crazy. I was always in the neutral zone, but I hear what you're saying, having the passion from the music and coming up because it was the same thing on the acting side. Mm-hmm. We were doing so much stuff that was misrepresenting and that company, we, we were on the map, but this yeah. is how I say it too. I learned another saying from that company that I used to say, and I said this, and I say it to this day. This is how I say it. Real money came in and true hearts came out. And that's how I said it. And that's what ended up happening. And then that's that's what ends up. We had too many chiefs in the hen house. We let everybody be a decision maker. Two turned into four, four into eight, eight into 16. And it just went to crap. And that's why, you know, when I, when I left the company, I, I said three things are going to happen. Some are going to have too much pride and never come back. Or some are going to realize they messed up and they're going to try to come back. Or the third thing, someone's always going to try to challenge you to a fight because now they're mad in their life of why they're not succeeding. Yeah. And I've had all three happen. And I saw who were the real from the fake. And it just helped me, you know, weed out a lot of whatever. With the thing that you were saying, too, is with the youngsters, I wish I had someone telling me what we're talking about now. And that's why I tell the youngsters this. This is one thing that the youngsters got to understand. They got to know who's pushing them. Would you rather have the guy who says, hey, man, let's go rob a car and let's go get this drug bust real quick and make some quick money and let's go to TJ Mexico and handle and do our thing? Or would you rather have the guy who says, hey, man, let's uh, go to church and let's read the Bible today and let's try to do something positive for the community. You got to know where the push is coming from. And then you got to decide what push you want. You get what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. If I want the push from this guy who was saying that or a push from this guy who was saying that. And that's, you know, and I, and I, and when we were young, we never had the right push. Hell yeah. You know, I, I had those type of pushes too. Let's come up real quick. Let's, all I was thinking about was, you know, putting in work for the neighborhood, getting the girls, getting the money. And that's all I thought because I didn't have a different mindset. When I got into Hollywood, Hollywood saved me in a way. And I'll tell you how it taught me how to talk to other people. I didn't know how to talk to other people back in the days. I didn't even think I was worthy of talking to you unless you were a bald-headed cholo too because that's all I knew how to talk to. 
But when I got into Hollywood, I learned, man, I got to listen to older people, younger people, talk to white people, black people, this, that, and the other, Chinese people. I didn't know how to talk to them when I was from the streets because I never had relationships with those people. It's when I got into Hollywood, I started developing other relationships and learning, man, I got to talk to this person and this person and that person. And it shaped me and molded me on being able to have conversations with different races, different people, different ages, all that. That's crazy that you're saying that because I just speaking that I, I was relating to my own moments in my life will help me communicate with people. And unfortunately, my, my, my situation was being in jails. I was state, uh, state race since I was a kid, locked up a gang of times. And I just remember those moments like <clears throat> that being in isolation and seeing the kids that would cuss out the stats, banging like, motherfucker, let me out. And I'll be like, cool, like, excuse me, sir, can I please use the restroom? And with a quickness, you know? And every time, like, they would find favor in, in, in moments of life just by the politeness and just being courteous instead of just being a little piece of shit the favor that I would find I would see that like the other kids would be stuck and the motherfucking staff would let me out and next you know I'd be watching Kobe and Shaq the first years he was dunking like hold on little youngster I'll take you back to your cell in a minute are you you kind of cool little homie what's your name like little shit like that when all everybody else in there was just like fuck you homie let me out you know fuck this motherfucking shit so I learned really young from how to communicate with different races, uh, travel different places. You know, you're going to courts, you're, you're dealing with different bailiffs, different sheriffs, different shit, uh, different homies from different neighborhoods, different walks of life, different counties, the way they talk. So I, I credit that to that as well. So we both learn how to communicate with people from experiences in our life like that. I think that's a trip. Um, yeah, and in the street, you know, you only it's all about respect. You know what is. I mean? So there's that part of it too where, you know, if it wasn't an enemy or whatever, it's yeah. another story, but yeah. you get what I'm saying. No, you definitely learn. Well, yeah. you you uh, definitely gave us a big insight, but we weren't done with our our, our, our questionnaire. I have two more <laughs> questions. You fucked my game up, oh, homie. So I got two I more questions. Game, so, right? so there's three more. Uh, do I hold the record, though? Was you, I the first you, one to take you, you off the game? You, you, the, you hold the record. <laughs> All right. Because you outlasted the theme song. Uh, there it is. <laughs> and we had to keep going, right? Hey, the theme song I think I repeated is... that motherfucker like five <laughs> times, homie, on loop. But nah, nah. Uh, so I want to ask you, what type of what type of dude is Noel G out here in Cali? You fuck with the summertime or wintertime? <clears throat> summertime. Summertime. That's right. And could you accredit that to where you grew up at? Yeah. Hell yeah, right? Yeah, because you know what? We're spoiled with our weather. Yeah. It, you can't. It, no one has better weather than we do, man. We're, the only thing we got to worry about is earthquakes. Yeah. But in our weather, we're, we're spoiled as heck. Hell yeah. All right. Boulevard nights are blood in, blood out. Blood in, blood out. Hell yeah. One, you were quick with that. Oh, quick, man. Quick That's why that. I, I could tell you all the lines of the movie, like heart to heart almost. All right. Well, I'm going to end it with this. And this is an important one. And I want to know, homie. All right. And, and, and you might not be comfortable answering. And you don't have to answer if you don't want to. <laughs> but I'm going to say it. Vin Diesel or the motherfucking rock? <laughs> oh, man. No, I'm going to say the... I, I have to say Vin Diesel. Okay. Because I got a personal relationship with him. All right. And he was the reason why I came back uh, to part seven. Okay. But at the same time, I will say... Um, it, it, it's hard, but, you know... I love The Rock, too. Hell yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I'll leave it like that. That's good people, man. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, I think that they were saying recently that they were tweeting each other and trying to squash their shit. Trying, I think Vin Diesel was sending a message trying to get The Rock back on the next one. And Vin- I, I, yeah, I know a little bit of the inside story. Yeah. I got a friend who's been with the franchise since part yeah. one, and he's one of the cameramen. Mm-hmm. And uh, he told me a lot of, you know, let's just say, I'll just say it this way, which is publicly known already. Yeah. So, I'm not saying nothing new. Yeah. I just, the, the safest way I could say it is, Let's just say Vin Diesel has good days and bad days. Hell yeah. And leave it at that. Hell yeah. As we all do, right? None of us yeah. none of us are, are, are 
exempt from having waking up you, on the. You know wrong where side true colors bed. come out though is how you handle situations in your bad days though. True. That's where that's where true colors come out on how you handle things when you're at your lowest moment or in a situation of where it could take you out of character. Yeah. Do you keep your character and handle it? Handle the wrong thing the right way. Hell yeah, that's what I'm talking about. So before we end the show, I have two more things I want to do. We have a segment of every single show that we do called Drifting on a Memory with Mr. Criminal. And uh, this week, I would like you to drift on a memory of whatever touches you and whatever comes back. But speaking to you about Jim Carrey and you being in the movie yeah. related me something that, uh, of a childhood memory of mine. So when I was a little boy, I have an older brother named Jack. And when I was stuck in my neighborhood, like stuck in the hood in the streets, and he would always look out. He was a good brother. He was trying to be a sheriff. Um, my other brother was always getting in trouble in and out of jail. I was always in and out of jail. My mom was, you know, dealing with her stuff in and out of different relationships, moving around. My brother, my brother Jack would come and pick me up. And he would take me to go do different things. We'd go to horse races, different shit, right? And he would try to talk to me. It would get boring as fuck. He'd lecture the shit out of me. I used to hate it, but he would try to talk me right, right? And I remember sometimes if I did good in school and shit, which was rarely, he would pick me up and he would take me to some shit. He had a, a, a homie that was a security guard at In Living Color. So that was my first exposure ever in life to a, a studio set, to go see anybody film. And as a young, I think I was like nine or 10 years old, I, I was able to meet Jim Carrey. And that was a dope moment. He came up and he said, what's up? And shook my hand. And it was like, how you doing, little homie? Or the youngster, whatever he called me at the time. And it was a dope thing. But they had the green room. And, and I remember I was in the back and I was calling my homeboy, rest in peace, Ruben. And I was calling my different homies like, hey, four, I'm right here in Hollywood recording. Uh, they're, they're recording in Living Color. And I remember very clearly my brother still brings it up to this day. He's like, you don't remember J-Lo telling you to get off the phone? I'm like, nah, because she was a backup, the, the fly girls back there. Right. And she used to chill in there and she'd be doing her thing. And, you know, they'd be getting ready and stuff. And I remember she'd be like, oh, your little brother. Because, you know, girls are like the little kid in the room. Oh, he's so cute. Yeah. you know. So she was like, oh, he's so cute. And I remember like doing a little dance for her because she was a dancer and all this little shit. And I just remember her telling me, hang up the fucking phone. You know, so <laughs> that's my little throwback Thursday. What do you have anything you want to share? Oh, that's crazy, man. That's what's up. Um, Man, just an experience with an actor or something like that you're talking about? Anything in life, homie. Oh, Any just... type of throwback memory. That just came to me just randomly, homie, because oh, you're talking okay, about Jim Carrey, and that was, that was the first person I ever met in the world like that, famous. Uh, uh, okay, I'll give you one. I'll give you a life-changing moment. Let's it was go. funny, so I share this story with a lot of people, too, and this one hit when you just said anything, so I'm just going to throw it out on anything, but I'll give you a life-changing moment, uh, moment of anything in another way, right? Okay. So before Fast and the Furious... I worked a bunch of nine to five jobs. Okay. I had, I worked at Burger King. I worked at Olive Garden. I worked at Denny's. I worked at Walmart. I worked at Kmart. I worked at a place called Pizza Mania. It was an independent pizza spot I used to deliver pizzas for. I worked everywhere, right? Personally. I was a bus boy and everything. Surviving. Surviving, bro. Working a bunch of nine to five jobs. Hell yeah. And um, I do Fast and the Furious, right? And here's my point. So for the eight, for the 10 years almost or you know 10 years that i was going to the same bank same bank for 10 years same bank depositing my checks right uh -huh. <clears throat> working all the nine to five jobs all of a sudden i do fast and the furious get my first fattest check right yeah and i never forget this like it was yesterday life lesson learned i was like wow this is how it is <laughs> i go to the bank same bank for 10 years, yeah. depositing my check, nine to five jobs. Fast and furious, I get the check. Same bank, 10 years. I go inside and I, I just go like any other check, I just go to make a deposit. The girl at the window goes, do you got a financial advisor? I said, no. She goes, you should go in the back and you should talk to a financial advisor. 
I said, all right, cool. So I go in the back. The, 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 the manager of the bank comes out. Hey, man, how you doing? Just want to introduce myself. My name is so-and-so. This is the assistant manager. We just want to make an introduction. And they go on this, like, half-hour, you know, 20-minute little spiel, right? Mm-hmm. And introduce me to everybody who's important in the bank, right? Yeah. And I was like, you guys are funny. You know I've been coming to this bank for 10 years, and not once have any of you come around to introduce yourself and say what's up. I go, now that I'm depositing a fat check, I got a lot of money. Now you want to come out and say what's up and introduce yourself? I go, deposit my check, all you fake motherfuckers. Wow. And, I, and I switch bank accounts the next day, and I was out of there. But when I left that day, it showed me. I was like, wow, this is how life is? I go, this is how it's going to change? And I thought it was the most, it was the most, and, and anyone, just to be real, anybody only knows that story if they made that type of money. Wow. And and that was a real moment that I had in my life where I was like, just, wow. Like, now I see how it is and how people are. And it was one of my biggest lessons that day wow. that, that I just thought was funny. You know, you just birthed a whole new segment. Well, I was listening to some Selena with my with my wife the other day. That's one of my wife's favorite artists. And oh, I got and the, stories for you. In, in the in the movie, I was just at her museum a week, like about two months ago. Well, tell the motherfucking I, story. I'm I sure. was hanging out with Selena's sister, the dad. I was hanging out with the dad and his brother. I got video on my phone. I got oh, three pops beautiful. signed. That's hard. Um, well, that we're gonna you we're just good. You just birthed a, a new segment. Literally, as you were talking, my brain works crazy, and you just reminded me of the movie Selena. Remember when she she pulls up to the mall and they won't let her buy the shit? <clears throat> so now I'm gonna yep. ask everybody what was your Selena moment when when you knew that you could do some shit and you had to prove someone wrong. So that's what yeah, it is yeah, right yeah. there. We just birthed a new segment, homie. Well, that, was, that, that, that was that, my, that was my life experience because you asked that. me for a flashback and yeah, that was a moment in my life so, where I just a big wow moment. That that was Noel G's official drifting on a memory slash Selena moment. That's how we're going to start doing this moving forward. <laughs> well, hey, before we get up out of That's here. That's another new record, right? Yeah, I hell got yeah. Two. Hey, I got two. <laughs> hey, I appreciate everything that you do That's for the culture, you. my boy. I appreciate all the game that you kick for the people that are watching and subscribing, tapping in. Uh, we all support everything that you do. We're, we're all proud of it. Fuck anybody that has anything else to say. Like you said, people have things to say from the left to the right when they, when they want to talk about actors and what they do, who's fake, who's real, all this shit. You're the, one of the realest motherfuckers out here. You've been giving game. You've been giving people opportunities. You did give people opportunities back in the day. I remember very clearly. And, uh, man, salute to you and everything that you're doing and all your blessings that, that are coming forward to you, my G. No, thank you, man. Thank you. Well, people who know me personally know this. Yeah. I will never say anything about someone unless yeah. I haven't said it to their face first. That's right. That's so how it should I'm, be. So if I'm talking to you about someone else, yeah. they've already heard it. That's so how it if is. you go and take it back, I ain't worried about it. Ain't it ain't talking shit. You already said it. Because I already said it. I love so that. Anyone who knows me knows that about me. And uh, that's why I said, you know, I just, the, the only thing that I will be real about is. The I only thing God. you'll be real about. No, you need I, to be real about everything. I'm, I'm, about, I'm about everything. Yeah. I, I'm, what I'm saying All is right. this, is that, you know, no one is perfect in the walk of God. Absolutely. I do, I do, I do have some struggles, mm-hmm. but I'm just saying I love God so much. I know where I'm going. I know where I'm coming back to. That's right. So I just wanted to share that last note. That's beautiful, brother. You and, know? and we're here to support it. And you'll always be in our thoughts and prayers. And we'll be supporting your journey through Fast and Furious 37, 39, whatever's next. We're <laughs> you here to lying, watch it. Bro, they're probably going to yeah. go there. You yeah, ain't. Yeah. Mr. Criminal, man, thanks for having me hey, on your show, bro. A lot love. of love. A lot of Always. You already su- know. Support Mr. Criminal's podcast, man. Support everything he does, bro. 
true brother, man. And you one of the real one in the games too, bro. Straight up. You, I remember when I met you, bro, and I first met you. Yeah. You didn't come off on no, you know, look who I am. Or you came off on just like what, like another homie. Yeah. Like we all know what's up. You show respect until I always tell people this. Yeah. You'll never meet Noel G Part Two. Yeah. If you never do something stupid to That's have to right. meet him. That's you know right. what I'm saying? Absolutely. Everyone's always cool and respect and all Hell that yeah. stuff. It's when you do something stupid, then you'll meet Noel G Part Two. Fuck but yeah. if you never do nothing, you'll never know there even was a Noel G Part Two. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? So you came off on automatic love. Just what's up? And we were chopping it up. I remember we were talking like we were homies from back in the Straight up. day, 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 already cracking the jokes on, top. on hello. Off top. You know what I'm saying? So anyways, man, much love, support. I support you, D. Support what this man does, Mr. Criminal in the house, bro. Keep up with me on my Instagram, actor Noel G. That's my TikTok too, actor Noel G. And um, I just say this last words and I'll, I'll finish with this. I always say God first. And the rest will work itself out. That's a beautiful Much way to end it, homie. And before we end this, I end every podcast respecting everybody's beliefs, but we always say a prayer. So I'd like to make sure that we bow our heads and show respect to the Lord as we end this one out. Father God, we come to you tonight to thank you for another blessed podcast. Episode number five was a very, very, very classic episode. I know that you led the conversation. Thank you for our brother Noel G for pulling up, mm. showing support to the podcast and our movement. Mm. We thank you for every single thing that you do, for every single person that subscribes, mm. taps in, and supports yes. our movement. Thank you to the whole family. Thank yes. you to Noel G and his whole family. Everybody that taps in and supports, we ask that you bless yes. their destiny and their journey this week. God bless and yes. support everybody in their movement. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 That's how we do it. What's up, Critical? We up out of this? Yes, sir. That's what's up, man. Episode number five, baby. Hell yeah, been It's been an honor, Holmes. It's an absolute honor. Anytime, bro. And, hey, we got something in the pipeline. I'm going to bring it up, too, when we're out of here. We got some historical moves that I want to involve you in, and we're going to reveal that soon. So that's how we do it. Noel G., much love and respect. This is how we do it. Crime Family Entertainment. Mr. Criminal on air live. We even outdid the fucking lights. That's how we do it. 2023, and we out. To give a shout out to our sponsors of the week it is illegal image clothing you could check them out on instagram illegal image clothing and then we got our brother and and the one that's putting it down punching back in la county and all over southern california his name is attorney rosenberg you guys could check him out at attorney rosenberg and then if you guys want to get some training some fitness some nutrition get your mind right get your body right get right for summer tap in with my boy jb fitness that's jb underscore fitness on instagram and we also got the homies at Rap Kings. That's right, Rap Kings underscore LV. If you guys want to get your walls, businesses wrapped, uh, vehicles, they do it all. So make sure you guys let them know that Mr. Criminal sent you. And last but not least, we got Trade Craft Farms. That's right, the homie Daniel Rodriguez of the USC pulled up this week and uh, tapped in with a bag of that Trade Craft. And we've been in touch. So I want to give a shout out to all our sponsors. Make sure you guys give them a follow. Make sure you guys show some love and support. <laughs>